is the Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased Stop. opinions about your favorite team without the spin, talking all over you the have open. to do is find the Monty Damn. Show. Streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. Hey, yo, man. How the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. You know, Jake, what tomorrow is? Hmm. Tomorrow's my 57th wedding anniversary. Okay. Okay. 22nd wedding anniversary tomorrow for me. Nice. Today's the NBA draft, and it is the NBA draft extravaganza on the Monty Show, which is always presented by our good friends at The Advocates. Theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. Hundo P, brah. You get in a car accident? Did you get hurt at work today? Yes. The Advocates are the experts at Workman's Comp. Get to theadvocates.com where you never pay a penny out of your pocket. See, you don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. That's why you can chat with an attorney live online right now. Do it today. Don't wait. Theadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Lots to get to today. Uh, we have got the NBA draft extravaganza for you today. All the biggest headlines. Uh, massive trade in the NBA today. Jordan Poole got punched in the face and apparently his repercussion for getting knocked off out was he got traded to the Washington Wizards today. We will talk all about that on the show. Alema Harrington, one hour from now, uh, to talk Utah Jazz NBA draft. I mean, just an incredible day. Uh, but as we have done every day this week, we must update you on the Titanic submersible and <laughs> like, it's not funny. Uh, everybody on the submersible, I'm no, Bro. like, why are you, why are you? Because, because it's, it's, it's funny. All those people are dead. No, 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 go ahead. Go Wait, ahead. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, the Titanic submersible, we have resolution. And unfortunately, all five of the passengers are lost um, after the submersible had a quote-unquote catastrophic failure of the pressure chamber the tube imploded. And here's the weird thing about this. And I wonder your thoughts on this. A, why are we obsessed with the Titanic? But how weird are the stories coming out about this submersible and the actual CEO of Oceansgate, who actually perished in the accident, he was the pilot when all of this horror happened. Do you know that he is married to a woman who is related to the two most prominent passengers on the actual real Titanic ship that went down all those years ago? that this submersible was going down to look at. That's destiny to me. Yeah. And I hope, like, do you understand you can't outrun your destiny? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, being related to them, the fact that, you know, you were going down to see, uh, you know, an iconic, you know, site of a, a, a shipwreck in history, and this happened to you, uh, you know, the way it happened to you now, as it turns out, like, it just the whole thing is... 
you know, the whole, the whole thing is, yeah, it's sad. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all the negative feelings we want to put to it. But ultimately I still maintain, I still maintain what, what is it that you're so enamored about with the Titanic? What is it? I don't it? understand. What, what is the fascination? I mean, we know where it is. We, we know what happened. Like, was it just that it's cool to look at? And, and I'm not even, I'm not even yeah. being sarcastic. Like, yeah. Is that why you went? Cause it just is cool to look at. I don't under it's a it's a shipwreck, and I understand it is the most explored. Uh, it is the most explored portion of the ocean on the entire planet. This area where the Titanic is, and you know the the odd thing, this submersible was found sixteen hundred feet from the Titanic. How bizarre is that? And what happened is they sent down another ROV, this robot. Uh, ship that's remotely controlled. They sent it down there and it was scouring the ocean floor around the Titanic and it, it found the cone, the tail cone section. And then the metal, I don't know what they call it, the landing gear, this rack mm -hmm. that this whole thing sat on top of. That's what they supposedly found according to the Coast Guard, uh, 1,600 feet off the bow of the Titanic. And I, 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 if, if you're a, a big fan of the Titanic, please explain to me why on earth you're a fan of the Titanic. Like the movie's one thing, like Leonardo DiCaprio and who was it, Kate Winslet. Okay, fine. I get that. It's a movie. Mm. But this is just a pile of metal at the bottom of the ocean. Why do you have to go down there and see it? Why? I, I, don't, I don't understand it. It is, it's amazing to me, the, it, the word is obsession that comes to my mind. You were so obsessed with the Titanic, you built a tin can to take people down there and it, it killed you and five others. And you built it cheaply under the guise that you were, that, you know, you know, historic names have broken rules and done great things. Well, I think, I think that the lawsuits that are going to come out of this are going to be incredible. Because this guy was warned multiple, multiple times. There was a TV show that refused to go down the very first time. The very first cruise down into the Titanic that this vessel took. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a travel channel show that was invited to go down. And they said, no, it's not safe. Yeah. We won't go. Like, it's a, it's a, I think the guy's name is Josh Gates, maybe. Um, said, no, I will not do it. It, it is unsafe. I will not do it. I, it's crazy to me, crazy to me that this guy and the other part of this is you're, you're a billionaire and this is how you chose to spend your money. You paid $250,000 to die on this thing. So by the way, the other thing that I think we have to ask ourselves now that we know it imploded, uh, what is, what was the tapping noise that they heard? Because they heard rhythmic tapping every 30 minutes for five hours. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's, the, that's the ocean, man. I don't know. I don't know what's down there. I don't know what they're doing. Somebody, I, I, mm. I, I mean, it's unexplainable. I, I, I don't guys? know. I mean, it could be, you know, the, the, there was a guy we were listening to, or I, I think we were listening to an interview or something where he was talking about how, hey, like, you know, it, it could very well be just a random, you know, synced up thing that's just not having any relation to 
to this submersible. Stop. Stop. There is no chance. There is no... I. The ocean terrifies me. Yeah. The ocean terrifies me. I don't want to know what's down there. I don't want to know... You can't tell me there are not certain... Um, because in my house, I'm not allowed to say ghosts are real. Mrs. Monty will come over and quite literally Drain snap. Green you? She, no, she will, she will snap my teeth mm. if I say ghosts are real. So I am not allowed to say that. But there are certain um, people who used to be alive that are no longer alive on that ship that you can't tell me the ocean floor doesn't have some shit it's hiding. Yeah, I don't know, dude. But but this is my point. This is like I feel like this is what people don't think about. Hey, it's dark down there. There's no light. There's no nothing. There's no like there's nothing. There's nothing down there, man. It, it is a shipwreck at the bottom of the ocean. And yeah, hundreds of people died, or maybe thousands. I don't know the exact count on the Titanic. Like, I mean, it's it, I just don't know. I I can't comprehend the fascination with it. I don't understand. And if I'm gonna go and do something, by the way. I'm not like in the ocean specifically. I'm not going to get aboard uh, a rig that has questionable safety measures. And I'm not paying two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per seat to do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm I not doing it, it, dude. All right, a couple of comments because then we got to get to the NBA draft. Um, you, let's see. Matt Hartley says you listen to the ocean; it listens back. Apparently, DM says it was a mermaid. I think it very likely could have been a mermaid. Sebastus says it was George Klyovkov's vibrator. <laughs> Sebasta, I mean, like, there's therapy out so there. So, wait, are we, are we making jokes about this, or it's still sad and it's not funny? No, when you play a laughing soundtrack as I'm introducing the story, hey, all these people died. <laughs> bad. I'm just, no, I know, bad timing. That was bad timing. Yeah, I know. The comedic value was lost on me and everybody Well, ten, else. now that we're 10 minutes later, let's enjoy all these jokes. You know, I don't yeah. think people are making jokes. Giggity, uh, what's up, my guy? Aliens in the depths of the ocean. Uh, probably just current slash the Titanic. There is no current at the bottom of the ocean. It is. Is it that is, true? That is very true. And the, on the floor of the ocean, there is very little current and movement. The movement that you get on top is can be hellacious all the way down those two and a half, three miles down to the floor. There is, there is no current. There mm. is motion from water moving. There is no current. Mm. So yeah, I've, I learned that today. Uh, truck stop Gumby says Jakey's third hole making yeah, the noise. Is that true? It must've been dude. Is I that mean, true? I, I mean, if it was, I wasn't sure. I didn't know anything about it. See Monty owes a ribeye. Aliens for sure down in the ocean. I mean, listen, I'm not opposed. I've to seen the, idea, the movies, dude. I'm not opposed to the idea that thousands or hundreds of people died on the Titanic and they're they're down you know, there floating around there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cougar tracks. Why do people climb Mount Everest and other uh, where people die every year? Don't know. Again, another great question. Don't know. And Donut says tapping was determined to be ocean noise. So that's just water, you know. On demand every 30 minutes for five hours. On the, uh, on, the, on the dot every 30 minutes for five straight hours. And then it just stops. Yeah. Sebesta says, I hate the ocean. Fish pee and screw in it. Okay. I mean, reproduction happens. I love the ocean. It terrifies me. It terrifies me. Dom, uh, Domer Wap says they were Fred Astaire's, Fred Astaire fans. Okay. Uh, Renee Roca says ghosts are not real. Okay. Yeah, okay. You really 
I believe in ghosts. <clears throat> I'm not at home. I can say that. Uh, the sharks have figured out how to lure food. Ooh, that's probably true. But but here's the deal. I, like, here's all, all the jokes deal. Aside, it's too deep for any. It's too deep for typical animals. Yeah, squid don't go down there. Sharks don't go down there. Whales don't go down there. Yeah. Dolphins don't go down there. Fish don't go down there. The pressure's too much. You talk. I mean, you're literally talking about a pressure chamber that's blacked out in 30 degrees. I mean, that's yeah, what you're talking no. about, dude. Well, I'm I'm talking about hell no. I'm not going down there. Has a submersible company crash uh, cash the passengers' checks yet? Might want to issue a refund. Might want to issue a refund. Uh, it was somebody playing Baby Shark. Oh, Sebastian's got jokes today. Mm-hmm. He's here for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have been hole crushing in from the pressure of the ocean floor, causing it to sound like tapping. Now, I'm going to say that's probably not it. It's probably not it. Uh, Josh Gates wouldn't go down on that sub. You do know the stuff he does, and he thought the sub was unsafe. Josh Gates does some insane stuff, and if it was too unsafe for him, that's crazy. He quite literally, this travel adventure guy from Travel Channel, I, I can't say I've ever seen his show, he does what Big Brass Balls is saying. He does like all these crazy things. And he told this guy... This guy took him for a ride in the sub, like not all the way down, but just took him for a ride. Gates told the guy, because the owner of the company was like, yeah, come on back. Let's, let's have you guys come on down and take the first ride in the sub. And he said, no, it's not safe. I'm not going. He refused yeah. to go. I'm in. Crazy. Yeah. Sam J, just like the Bermuda Triangle ships being in the ocean, don't go looking for it. And that's my point. Don't like, go looking for I, it. I could kind of understand. So if, if the Titanic was sitting even 5,000 feet down, okay, I could kind of understand that. 5,000 feet is really nothing in terms of submarine land. Like, you can get down there pretty much no problem. But yeah. when you're talking about 13,000 feet, dude, when you're talking about putting your life in danger dude. to see a shipwreck, I, I have trouble with that, man. Yeah. And again, and donuts, the tank was carbon fiber. And what they did is they didn't use... They had titanium. Part of the tube was titanium, but not all of it. And they say that it was heavy, and he did what he did. Did what he did. Julian says, the movie was part of my childhood. Just because of that, I would love to see the real Titanic. But obviously, I'm not rich enough. I'm scared of the ocean, too. I'm not. uh, The movie was fantastic. I'm not watching. I'm not going down. I'm not going down. George K doesn't exist. Fake news. Okay, Renee. I mean, that could be. I, you know, that could be. Big Brad, bad, uh, big bad brass balls. Yeah, this isn't really funny. It's not. It's not funny. Like it's it is terrifying. You know, Cougar uh, tracks the video game controls would turn most people off. And what they're saying about that is they're saying that the off the shelf stuff was probably more reliable than the innovation that this dude had on this on this submersible because like a video game controller it works it's extremely effective at what it does and i never really thought about this Mm -hmm. they work very well right a video game controller you can count on it It, it, and this guy for those of you don't know and i think we still have the picture um but the video game controller that this homie used um, to drive this ship, ah, dang, we don't have it anymore, but the, he, that's all he did yeah. is he used a video game controller 
off the shelf. Here it is right here. This is this dude. And he quite literally has a video game controller in his hand. Mm -hmm. There it is right there. That he bought off the shelf. And this is the CEO of the company of Ocean's Gate. He is now dead. He died in the, in the incident. And that video game controller was highly controversial until people came out and said, uh, hey, yeah, by the way, uh, that thing's highly reliable. It's all the other stuff he did on the ship that people are questioning. So it's just bizarre. The whole thing is incredibly bizarre. Yeah, exactly right, Truck Stop Gumby. Ain't no reset. Yeah, ain't, I mean, ain't I, no reset, man. I don't know. Right? I've been mulling this for days. I, I mean, on some, I, I, on some level, yeah, I feel, I feel sorry for the people that weren't this guy. The people that, you know, trusted this guy saying, hey, this, this rig is safe. You know, I, I feel sorry for those people because they, they were clearly, obviously they weren't in control. You know, it wasn't, they, um, I, I mean, maybe they read about it and were somewhat educated or whatever, but they didn't build the thing. I mean, they didn't know it inside and out like he did. And, you know, part of me is like, hey, dude, like when you, when you play around in the ocean, it's like crab for fishermen who die in the line of service. You hear about that stuff all the time, a couple times yes. a year. When you, when you want to play around in the ocean, dude, you, there are a lot of people who don't make it back. And, and I kind of feel like this is one of those deals where this guy was, was somebody who wanted to build a rig and wanted to do it a different way and didn't want to build it the same way everyone else had built it. And, and all I'm saying is, dude, we're not talking about cars here. Yeah, we're, man. We're, we're not talking about on land, hey, you're just going to break some bones type thing. Like, like you're, you're going to die, man. And that's, that's what's really unfortunate is that people choose to take risks that are are just unnecessary. But again, the craziest part of this is the guy who died, the CEO and founder of Oceansgate. His wife, who you see in this picture with him, right, right, right. I mean, this right here. She's related to these two people right here. They died on the Titanic, the actual ship, the Titanic. And they found the wreckage of this submersible today, 1,600 feet from the Titanic. Yeah. I mean, at the least, there is some irony in that. Yeah, for At sure. the very least. Yeah. Uh, it, the whole thing's bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre. Hero75 gives us $5 to say, why can I now see a Hollywood horror movie with ghosts or something else holding down a sub by a sunken ship coming soon to a theater near you? Mm -hmm. Oh, because you know it's going to happen. Yeah. There's going to be a 30 for 30 style documentary on this. I guarantee it. J-Rod said, sad case of too much money and not enough sense. Rip to those lost. Not enough, too much money and not enough sense. I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. No doubt about yeah. it. No and doubt again, about it. This is the same thing as space travel. Dude, these people that want to mess around in space, you know what's on the line, bro. You I know what's on the line. I can, we, we all like to go fast. We all like to fly high. We all like to go down to the Titanic. We're all somewhat adventurous. I try to drive... 500 yard par fives. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. And clearly I probably shouldn't try. And I would give the same advice to people. Don't go near volcanoes. Don't go like, I love these dudes that 
You know, that there was this story the other week about this guy who bought a Bengal tiger and wanted to keep it as a pet. How do you think that ended up? Yeah, it ate him. It ate him. Yeah, the, you, hey man, these people that these people that buy these super fast cars, how did Paul Walker die? Mm-hmm. Paul Walker died in a fiery crash inside of a fast car. You know, like, it, you, you know the risks. You know the risks. But you know what's different about that, just really quick, and this is kind of my main point here. The difference between Paul Walker dying driving his car fast and these mm-hmm. people dying at the bottom of the ocean is the car didn't fail him. The car wasn't why Paul uh, Walker that's died. That's true. Paul Walker is why Paul Walker died. Pa- Paul Walker died driving way too fast on the street. Well, he was a passenger, to be fair. He was but a pa- okay, he, he died was- he died because some guy was going super fast in a car and Paul Walker got stuck and burned to death. These people died because they were rich, they were adventurous and they trusted a guy who by some accounts was not very safe to trust. Like I again, the whole sticking point for me not to be redundant, I don't get the obsession with the Titanic. That's where I like I have no interest to get in a boat and go down and see the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I, I, I just, the ocean terrifies me. The idea, like my wife loves scuba diving. Okay. I hope you have a good time. Cause I ain't going, I'm not going. I am not, it, it, I am not going like I, nah, bro. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm how scared of the ocean are you? Very scared. Cause Terrified. you're worse than I am. Yeah. I don't even like snorkeling all that much. It's not that enjoyable for me. I'll do it. Cause you're there. But I'm not like, man, I, I'm dying to go. I'm not dying to go. Do you like snorkel boats? Yeah, I mean, boats are fine. Like, you know, boats are cool. You just want to stay on the boat. Yeah, I just want to stay on the boat for the most part. I mean, look, uh, manta dive or, or manta snorkel, technically, or just regular, like, it's fine. You know, if you're in a, like, Molokini in Hawaii is 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 a perfectly safe place to snorkel, right? It's... The waters are calm because of the crater and like it's all set up and it's there's a ton of people around. So the odds of you dying snorkeling Molokini are next to nothing like you're good. You're fine, you know, but 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 going out into the middle of the ocean off of the east coast of North America to dive down where nobody can help you doesn't seem like a good idea. Yeah, nobody can help you. The Monty NBA Draft Extravaganza tips off on the Monty Show presented by our good friends at TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com. Stop looking for side hustles. Please stop complaining about your boss. Please stop saying, I can't believe they're making me go back to the office. I'm going to find another job. Stop working for somebody else. Start working for yourself. Get your $10 30-day trial membership at TridayTrading.com. If I said to you, I'll show you your future for 10 bucks, would you say yes? Of course you would. You want to be that guy who goes on the vacations? You want to be able to afford to go down and see the Titanic? Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. Please don't go down and see the Titanic. Um, You want to buy the cars? You want to have the house? You want to take the vacations with your kids? You want to go snorkel at Molokini? Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. Stop working and hating your job and making somebody else money. Stop dreaming about the life you could have. Get a $10 30-day membership. Find out what your future can be for 10 bucks. 
TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Thank them for presenting all of our NBA content right here on the Monty Show because it's always brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Uh, NBA Draft is here, and I got to tell you, it's off to a wild start today. Um, all of these big trades, and I think we start with the Boston Celtics trade from yesterday because I think this Celtics trade to get Chris Stapps Porzingis is a win for the Boston Celtics. But perhaps it's a bigger win for the Memphis Grizzlies as they end up with Marcus Smart going from Boston to Memphis. And Jake, I feel like this was a move to solidify and stabilize John ja Morant. Yeah, I mean, I think that you had to do something on the floor to to keep this guy in line. And, and I think that... You know, Marcus Smart, obviously, it goes without saying. He doesn't need any introduction. You guys know who he is. Uh, you know, obviously, the Jazz were looking at him last year. Like, this is somebody who's been, you know, kind of in the rumor mill about leaving Boston for a couple of seasons now. And I think, you know, all this reporting about, hey, he didn't know about the trade until 10 minutes before it went down or anything. Like, I don't care about any of that. That's the business of the NBA. They're going to decide how they want to tell you, when to tell you, whatever. Like that that's just how it works in the league. And by the way, you didn't get the job done. So all the people defending Marcus Smart and all the people saying, "Oh my god, how could they do this?" Dude, you didn't get the job done. You didn't win a championship. And that's the whole reason you're on teams. And I think going to Memphis could be a really good thing. Just, like obviously for job, but for them as a team, I I think you're essentially replacing Marcus, or you're replacing Dylan Brooks with Marcus Smart. Like that's an upgrade. There's no doubt about that. Um, the question's going to be: Does Marcus Smart immediately gain the respect of everybody, or how does that sort of gelling process work? Because he's not going to see John Morant for 25 games into the season. So everyone else is going to vibe with with Marcus Smart, and then Jaw's going to have to come in and, and kind of find his way. Uh, with the team and and I'm not saying he's an outsider looking in certainly but there's no questioning that when the rest of the team has 25 games together uh, as a head start and you're just jumping in I mean it's, it's going to take a minute so I wouldn't really expect the Grizzlies to hit their stride until well after the all-star break because of his suspension and everything they're going through but yeah I think it I think uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis it, it, he he's an upgrade. There's no way around it. I, I don't know that he's the guy that, that puts you over the top as far as a championship is concerned, but there's no questioning that he makes uh, them much better. So I guess really the, the, the thing is, now the ball is in Miami's court as far as what they're going to do and how they're going to answer. So that's, that's really where I think that leaves things. Yeah, and I think you start now understanding what the Washington Wizards are doing. Boy, doesn't that look an awful lot like the Utah Jazz a year ago? Um, when you realize, look at all those assets that are going to the, the Washington Wizards. And the fact that they got six second-round picks and four pick swaps from Phoenix along with Landry Shamet, um, that's amazing. The fact that they were able to flip a guy like Porzingis, Beal, uh, and Jordan Goodwin... And then they took Chris Paul and sent Chris Paul to Golden State is unbelievable. They get Jordan Poole, a first-round pick in 2030, a second in 2027, and they end up with Tyus Jones. Like, this was a transformative day mm -hmm. and really two-day period for the Washington Wizards. And I think it's very much what we saw the Utah Jazz do last summer 
uh, with the Rudy and Don trades with Minnesota and, and Cleveland. Now, let's see what fruit those deals bear. But I don't think there's any any way to argue that Washington had a very good day. Boston had a very good day. Uh, I think that Golden State had a very good day. I think Memphis had a very good day. I feel like this is one of the few times where you can say these are really level trades. And I think all four of these teams got exactly what they needed. Thanks. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, and I think what's really fascinating about the league right now is that both conferences are, are seeing some power shifting happening right now. And, and I think, you know, whether you're looking at the Chris Paul side of this situation or you're looking at, you know, the Porzingis side or the Marcus Smart side, I, I sit here and I say, yeah, these teams are trying to acquire something that they didn't have last year that ultimately prevented them from getting to where they wanted to go. Yeah. And, and I am definitely not convinced that Chris Paul makes the Warriors better. I'm not. I am not convinced. Uh, I won't be convinced until dude stays healthy. Uh, I think you just gave up a, a big-time uh, uh, prospect that does have issues, absolutely has baggage, has issues, no question about it, but a guy that can give you 25 points pretty easily. And those guys are not just falling off of trees in the league. There are guys like R.J. Barrett who can give you 20, but 25-plus is a different cut of player. And I I think on one hand, if you're Jordan Poole, you should be really excited about the opportunity that you have in Washington. You may not be on a playoff team, but you will be in a position where you're going to get to you are going to get to showcase your scoring ability and and if you can go out and you can be 25 to 30 on a nightly basis and you can do most of that damage from 3 that's going to be that's going to mean you're going to get paid a lot of money man like a lot of money so don't be surprised if 2 years from now we're sitting here talking about Jordan Poole being you know i i don't know that he gets to max player level but being a guy that like is getting significant run and, and is highly coveted in the league. He's got to straighten out uh, his personality problems, though. He's got to straighten out player relation issues because the, the the struggle for Washington's going to be that this guy isn't exactly a leadership player on your roster. It's not like this guy's going to roll into your locker room and be like, yeah, man, like I really know how to you know lead this team. He, he's not there yet in his process. He's been on deep playoff runs. He does have experience, but experience without you know a leadership trait or embracing that is is meaningless there's no there's no point to it he wasn't sure. asked to lead in golden state so that's why i say i think for washington this is just a guy that's motivated to score and put up numbers and and until that changes i'm not sure how far how valuable this was for them they're they're gonna have to make hay with their picks well listen i think when you look at when you look at golden state's side of this certainly you have to wonder how much of this is about retaining Draymond Green. Mm -hmm. I think certainly there's there's no question in my mind. When you look at Golden State, this this situation with Jordan Poole was awkward. There's no other way to to phrase it. You can't spin it. Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face, and they had multiple altercations. Draymond Green opts out of his contract, becomes a free agent, and all of a sudden, Jordan Poole finds himself in Washington. For Chris Paul, who's a veteran that we know has a relationship with Draymond Green. Yeah. And oh, by the way, you trade his nemesis and you bring somebody in that Draymond's friendly with. Something tells me this move was about keeping Draymond Green in the fold and getting Jordan Poole out. Which, not to tell you how smart I am because I am really smart, but 
You needed to make this move at the deadline last year. Trading Jordan Poole now is the right thing to do. It would have been a better thing to do if you had done it at the deadline last year. And my feeling is you could have gotten more for Jordan Poole at a time if you'd have traded him to a contender, if you'd have traded him to a Cleveland, if you'd have traded him. You can't tell me if he was available at the deadline last year that the New York Knicks weren't talking about that, Mm. that the Philadelphia 76ers wouldn't have been talking about that. Because they absolutely would have. The New York Knicks today, as we reported first on this show on Tuesday, are trying to get their hands on Paul George. We've told you that. Are you telling me that they would not have accepted Jordan Poole at the deadline? Absolutely they would have. So I question the timing of it, but I understand the timing of it as well. Because Draymond Green, and again, I know he's been a hot-button issue on this show. I know he's been controversial. But you cannot get away from the fact that Draymond Green is likely the reason that the Warriors dynasty, and I know that's a taboo word in some circles, but the reason they won all those championships with Steph, Clay, and Dre, I think Dre was a huge part of that. And I think they are going to do everything that they can do to retain him, Jake, as they should. Yeah, and I I think that... You know, again, the Warriors seem very committed to, to keeping this core together until uh, until they just can't do it anymore. Until it gets to a point where this core is not, you know, uh, NBA Finals good. You know, whatever that ends up looking like. I mean, you know, you probably get two seasons to suck before they'll break you up, honestly. Yeah. So until the core can't make the playoffs, let's say, or until this the core, these three guys can't take you to a five-plus seed. You know, I mean, you, you're, you're not going to break them up. And... And, you know, there's a fine line there. I mean, again, if you take it too long, like, you're going to hurt yourself in the draft. If you if you get rid of it too soon, you're likely costing yourself championships. So I think that's that's what's tough about it. But, but again, I, I, I look at Chris Paul as a player right now, and and I'm just not impressed. I mean, I, I don't think that the guy has much left. And, and how many times or how many opportunities is he going to get to win a championship. I mean, again, you were playing with Kevin Durant and, and and Devin Booker, and you got hurt again. And I get it. Some of these were not his fault. Others were, like, great. But the reality is, somehow, someway, he's always hurt in the playoffs. And so my question is, this really wasn't about Jordan Poole, was it? This really wasn't about Chris Paul. No. This goes right back to, hey, we needed money for Draymond. We needed money for Clay. We basically needed money to keep this core together, and we will find a way to build the house around it. I I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think Chris Paul, and he's going to be a backup. He is not going to be a starting guard for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I, I think pretty clearly you have that covered, right? One of the things that I think is Chris Paul's leadership is what that franchise needs. I think you look at the contribution that Andre Iguodala made to that roster without ever bouncing a basketball in a game. That was a huge, huge part of their win. You look at guys like Udonis Haslam in Miami. You need veteran leadership, whether they play or not. You need a guy that's influential. And there's no doubt in my mind that Chris Paul's very influential in this league. But I also think some of this has to do with making the right pieces in Golden State fit and helping them grow. Because one of the names you got to talk about is Jonathan Kaminga. I think over the last two years, Jonathan Kaminga has suffered in that system because he just simply has not had minutes. 
and I think you are going to have to find a way to get that done, well, you're going to play Chris Paul a few minutes. Somebody's going to take Jordan Poole's minutes. Now, is that Jonathan Kaminga? No, but certainly that opens up a, a, a larger pool of minutes to help you figure out what Jonathan Kaminga can be before next year's trade deadline. Because mm-hmm. if he's still not the guy you need, you got to move Kaminga out. You got to you, you have got to trade him before he becomes dead weight. And I think when you look at the history in Golden State, they are very savvy with their moves. And now maybe that changes with Dunleavy because he's a new GM there and Bob Myers is gone. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. But all I know is moving Jordan Poole, in my opinion, was 100% about Draymond Green. And I, I think it's the right move for them. I absolutely think it's the right move for them. Um, I think they only did it to keep Draymond Green. That's, that is, to me, that's the long and short of it. And I think it's exactly what you should have done. And by the way, without Bob Myers there, and you still had the balls to make this trade, I think that's exactly what you should have done. And this is what's made Golden State so good for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look around this league, whether it's, I know everybody hates the Lakers, but look at the Lakers. The moves that Rob Palinka pulled off at the deadline it, to add guys like Beasley, Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura earlier, to remake this roster with D'Angelo Russell, to, to do that and still give Austin Reeves the opportunity to grow and flourish. Like, those, that takes courage. Those moves are not easily made. Trading Marcus Smart to Memphis is not a move that's easily made. But what did that move accomplish for Boston? Well, what that move accomplished for Boston was it now forces Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to lead. It forces them to grow and mature. Because who was the heart and soul of that basketball team? Mm -hmm. Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of that team. Does Chris Stapp Sporzingis step in and immediately become a superstar? Probably not. But I don't think you need him to do that. You need him to shoot the three because that's a team. Remember what Boston is. The Boston Celtics are a team to play five out. Yeah, They don't play big guys. They don't need Porzingis to be a dominant five in the paint, right? You've got Robert Williams for that. My opinion is guys like Golden State, guys like Boston, guys like the Lakers, they make moves that they need to make. They don't necessarily want to make them, but I think you knew you had to trade Jordan Poole. I think you knew you had to trade Marcus Smart. Right? Those are not easy moves. So I give these guys a lot of credit. I think I think making the move for Marcus Smart, Memphis, I think that was a great, a great deal. Yeah. I, I think great deal. That's a win. And if Marcus Smart does nothing else but force John Moran to be a better professional, dude, I think it's a great move. Yeah. I, I, I really do. And I will also say with Boston, it's make or break time now for for Tatum and Brown. Now you're kind of at that window where it's like, okay, we went out and remade the leadership and the the build of this roster. We are truly a five-out team that that relies on motion and three-point shooting. Well, here you go, Jay. Here you go. Make some threes. Move around. Play some defense. Because if not, they're not going to be there. I agree. I agree. Plain and simply time. It's time. It's been time. By the way, do the LA Clippers have the courage to trade Paul George? 
Yeah, I guess we're going to find out. I mean, I, I, I think that... I think you're going to find out. I mean, I, 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 th- I think that the Clippers have shown a willingness to do big trades. I mean, again, th- you know, you can go back. There's been a bunch of different versions of this organization. I mean, you go back to, again, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. You go back to, you know, they, there's just been several different versions. And I think that the the Clippers, you know, they, they need they need to do something. And I, and I don't know... I guess I'm not confident that moving Paul George and getting back whatever you get back from the Knicks. I mean, I, I, again, I, we can go through it, but you know, whatever value you're able to get from them, I'm not. I'm not so sure that that does what you want it to do. I feel like I I have more confidence. Like if it's a game seven, I have more confidence that PG and Kawhi together can win a game seven than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like that's just the reality of the situation. I do not trust those guys in Boston. And the problem is, if they're on the floor, I trust them to no end in, in in Clipperland. The problem is they're not on the floor enough. And with Paul George, a lot of people are like, oh, he's injured constantly. This guy has run into to some freak injuries, man. And Kawhi is the one that I look at, and I'm like, all right, dude, like, how much load management are you actually going to do? Because Paul George is someone that's been 60 games guy pretty regularly. And the last two seasons, he just struggled a little bit. So... I don't know. I do they have the courage? Yeah, I think they would I think they would do something if they feel like it's it's a, you know, an equitable play, but I don't buy that they're actively like, yeah, we got to move Paul George. That's the right answer. I struggle with that. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would say they're actively seeking actively seeking to move Paul George. I think they would if they got the opportunity because I think they know there are guys out there on expiring deals like Pascal Siakam's a guy we've talked about on this show where you can absolutely you can absolutely get Pascal Siakam out of Toronto, right? There, there's, there is no doubt about that. So let's say you get Pascal Siakam, you trade Paul George, you get Pascal Siakam. Tell me that doesn't make Kawhi Leonard a better player. Because mm-hmm. it makes Kawhi Leonard a better player. There's no question about that. Because I, I, I think the problem in, in L.A. has been this philosophy of load management, let the players run the, run, the, run the locker room. I think that's failed miserably there. And I think Paul George is a guy who brings you more in return because, frankly, I think he's less of a headache than Kawhi Leonard is. Because mm-hmm. I look at Kawhi Leonard and I see a diva. I see a guy who doesn't care what you want to do He's going to show up and play when he wants to play. And if you need him to play and he won't play, you're not changing that guy. Right. And he becomes a headache. And I just don't see Kawhi Leonard. And the personality traits, I think he's an awkward fit in most locker rooms. Like, Paul George is a get-along guy. He's an easy guy. He's an elite basketball player. He's an elite shooter. Still one of the best players in the NBA. I think the Knicks absolutely need to make this move. And if I if I'm the LA Clippers, I'm going to get Pascal Siakam, who's on a who's on a deal in Toronto, and he's going to walk away at the end of that deal. I'm absolutely going to get a guy like Pascal Siakam, and I think he's a much uh, a much more pliable financial guy for the Clippers because the Clippers are going into a new building. They're going to have to re- rearrange that roster. Right. Yeah. You know that. I know that. Yeah, it always happens. Trade the trade Paul George, get some pieces from New York, including R.J. Barrett, go and get Pascal Siakam from Toronto, and make your best run, and then remake that roster without Kawhi Leonard next year. But I think you need to go through this coming season, trade Paul George, keep Kawhi Leonard, 
and then it, it make your bet a year from now. Yeah. That that's what I would like. Because I mean, these guys are out strategy. there. These guys are out here and readily available. Facts. Readily available. Our sources in the NBA told us yesterday that that unequivocally the Clippers are open for business. Now, I'll also say this the national guys today, what did they report? Yeah, the Clippers are open for business on Paul George. Hey man, just the hacks on YouTube over here <laughs> telling you. They're open for business on Paul George. Sorry, as, folks, that's what it is. As they should be. I think there's a potential that you could see another blockbuster by the time the draft gets here. Look, I, I think, you know, from the Knicks side of conversation, 100% you should be after Paul George. I, I, I think Paul George type guy is what the Knicks are missing. You have, I, I'm a big believer, and I don't know if it's a Thibodeau issue or, or what the issue is per se, but I'm a big believer in the Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, combo i love that combination i mitchell robinson i think is incredibly underrated now he's not he's never going to be you know Embiid Jokic level big he's not that guy i would agree with that however this is a guy that can get out and run can can be very athletic in the pick and roll game lob city kind of guy like this is a guy that can operate for you so if all you need to do is give brunson the ball to run the offense and get one more score you're in a great place, and I'm sorry, Nick fan, and, and we got all kinds of heat last year when it was Knicks and Jazz and all these trades you were talking about. I'm not an R.J. Barrett believer. The guy can give you 20 I points. Agree. So can everybody and their mom in the league, right? Like, I can go find 20-8 and eight guy. I can do that. Like, I, I, it's nothing personal with R.J., but I'm if R.J. is what the Clippers want and I get Paul George back, you're damn right. He can pack his stuff and go ahead and head to L.A. Because I'm not, I am not married to R.J. Barrett on any level. I totally all. agree. Absolutely, 100%. Totally agree. Let's get your comments in here. And Donuts gives us $10 for the Monty Golf Fund on a good note. How'd yesterday go? Let's move on. We don't need to talk about yeah, that. we didn't golf yesterday. Uh, we just went out to... Uh, we went out to a course uh, and hit some balls, and it was fine. It was fine. 96, I think it was yesterday. Nine, I, not Canyons Golf. Nine, 96 yesterday, 81 last Sunday. 96. I 90 could not drive. The only thing I did was hit my fairway irons pretty well. Yeah. Uh, could not drive, could not chip, could not putt. Other than that, I had a great round. <laughs> great round. Only lost 700 golf balls yesterday. Right. So the $10 to the golf fund is appreciated. Um, let's see. Who's got something? Brandon Whiteside. Check on Boston trade. Ton of reports that it's not going through. No. The three-team deal yesterday didn't go through. Um, the, uh, Marcus Smart to Memphis and the Kristaps Porzingis deal is done. Um, there was a, there was a, a completely different deal that had them sending Brogdon out and mm -hmm. that deal fell apart late last night. Um, and there was some, there was some need to get this deal done, uh, because Kristaps had a player option. And there was some question about whether or not he would exercise that and walk away. Um, and he chose to opt into that and get traded to Boston. Uh, so that deal is that deal is absolutely done. 801 West Valley. PG and Kawhi haven't done anything in L.A. I'd take the Celtics all day. I, I think anything in L.A. Is, is rough. That's a team that made a deep playoff run two years ago. Um, I, they've been injured. 
plain and simple. There's, there's no way to spin that. Have they been a disappointment for the Clippers? No doubt about it. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are disappointing. Mm-hmm. That, that, that grouping did not work. When you know they, you, you go back to the series where they beat the Jazz and Terrence Mann, and they made not a nice run. The issue is that last year, that odd, that hyperextension for Paul George's leg was just weird. That's a freak injury, man. Yeah. That is a, that is a absolutely a freak injury. But let me, I think a question that needs to be posed is, have the Celtics really done that much more than, than the Clippers? Than I mean, anybody, any other playoff team. Have the Celtics really done that much more than any other playoff team? I mean... You went to the finals two years ago, but you absolutely collapsed. Yeah. You absolutely collapsed. You got beat by a play-in team this year. Now, and that's not to slight the Miami Heat by any way, shape, or form. But you're the you're the gosh dang Boston Celtics, dude. <coughs> you can't do that. Like this team, I feel like if Ime Udoka had had not been a an office degenerate, this team may well have two NBA championships. Yeah. I, I, I truly believe that. I, I think Joe Mazzula is a good, not a great head coach. He will be down the road. I just don't think he's ready for that. I don't think he's ready for that. Yeah. But the roster that's been built or was in place, I think, was good enough to win the Eastern Conference. They did it once. I think they could have done it again. And had they not melted down... In the finals last year, I think this team is a very, very different confident team. Much more confident team. Yeah. And you look at Jason Tatum, and listen, I love the sex machine. My guy, Devin Booker. But what what is my what has my opinion been? That dude needs to win a championship because that's the only next level he has. Agreed. Jason Tatum needs to show that in the biggest moments and in the biggest games, he's that dude. That he's him. Because he has but not been him at all. And it's killing Boston. And it has killed Boston in multiple years now. There's, there's just no way to shake that or get away from it. And, and Jalen Brown the same, right? Al Horford has hit more big shots than both of them combined. That's a problem, dude. And now you got more firepower because whatever you think of Chris Stapps Porzingis, that dude showed last year he can still play. They're better today than they were yesterday. They don't have to worry about Marcus Smart shooting 28% from three anymore. Mm-hmm. Those days are over. You've got a 35-plus percent three-point shooter and Chris Tapsporzingis on your roster now who's going to play 30-plus minutes a game for you. And can score individually, which Al Horford couldn't do. I'm just telling you, man, they, they got better. Um, let's see. Brent Burnett says, Warriors will flip CP. They save now. They can go big later with CP. They're not going to flip CP. It, it would make no sense to trade a guard for uh, of Jordan Poole's caliber and, and then trade the guy that you got for him, Chris Paul, who can play 20-plus minutes a night for you. Chris Paul, they're not... They, Chris Paul's not the guy to lead the Suns to the finals anymore. He's not that guy. He can't stay healthy. You can't rely on him. But is he a 20-minute off-the-bench point guard? Well, that's my question. Is he going to accept that role? Because he's yes. not accepted that role to this point. Well, he's never been asked to accept that role. But notice the narrative on Chris Paul has changed dramatically. It has. It the has. narrative on Chris Paul has changed dramatically. Nobody's talking about him going to the Lakers to lead the Lakers. Nobody talked about that. Yeah. 
they're talking about Chris Paul going to the Warriors. He's gonna be the he's gonna be the Carl Malone, Gary Payton chasing a ring in Los Angeles guy. Yeah, because that's what he's doing in Golden State, for better or for worse, no matter what you think. He's only going to Golden State to win a championship. Yep. Because you don't you're not all NBA. What was he all NBA eleven years? I think the stat is Chris Paul is one of two. 11-year All-NBA performers not to win a championship. The only other one, Carl Malone. So he clearly understands, even if it's one as a gravy train bench guy, Yeah, that's better than none. And I think he, he squarely understands that. Yeah, Because the only knock on him is that he hasn't won. Yep. That's the knock on him. So, yeah. I don't know. Like Jackson says, Warriors won't waive him. I highly doubt they would. Why would you do that? Well, and I think the reporting and the reporting has said they're not waving him. That that they there he's a piece. Yeah, and they need him. Yeah, and they need him. Yeah. My only question is him off the bench. That's my only question about it. Not that not. I mean, I, I guess. Hey, I'm going to the Warriors. I'm going to accept the bench role. Okay, great. But does that mean that? Does that mean that you coming into the game with seven minutes left in the first quarter, are you the same? Is your effectiveness level the same? Are you able to run around the floor the way Curry is or even half of what Curry does? Like, do you fit into that scheme? But I don't think they need him to play fast. Because Chris, let's be real clear about what Chris Paul is. Yeah. Chris Paul's a slow player. Yes, he is. He is a guy that came into the game for the Suns, started, would go out, they would come in and run around with their hair on fire. He'd come back in and it'd be half-court Chris Paul going to a spot shooting mid-range jumper. Well, that's not what the, the, the Warriors necessarily need from Steph, Clay, and Dre. But there's some value in that when Jordan Poole came into the game, he played too fast. Because your second unit in Golden State, as undefined as it is right here now today, sometimes you need to run half-court sets and run some clock. Because they ran themselves into some pretty shitty situations last year. Mm-hmm. And if we're being honest, Golden State gave away some pretty, some pretty critical possessions playing too fast. And I think what you see is, I think Golden State needs that change of pace. And I think they know that. And I also think he works exceptionally well with Steph Curry, and he doesn't have to worry about Steph dominating him on the baseline and making him fall down anymore. <laughs> By the way, who remembers that? Mm. I, I, this is a really good fit. This is a really good fit. And by the way, he replaces Andre Iguodala in that leadership role. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I have to be like, I, I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. I'm just not buying it until I see how they run it, how that how it actually yeah. pan, you know, because I think the thing with Chris Paul is that, like, I don't disagree with your take on pace. Absolutely. They they play too fast in the second unit, and that cost them games. There's and Jordan no Poole was absolutely. All those bricks that he threw up, there is no doubt about it that that cost them games, 100%. Well, and the other thing that he did, Chris Paul, and I think it was to the detriment of the Phoenix Suns, you give Chris Paul the ball and say, hey, man, we need a bucket. Chris Paul's going to get to the elbow and he's going to hit a fadeaway mid-range jumper. Yeah. And eight out of 10 times it's going in. He's a bucket getter, whether you want him to be or not. And when he's not being selfish and trying to screw Devin Booker, he, he actually can still distribute as well. So I think Chris Paul has a lot to add to a team like the Warriors. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. Gary, 
What's up, Godorov? Good to see you. Marcus Smart was hurt when playing. I feel that was unfair to Smart. He played hurt in the NBA playoffs. Well, I don't necessarily think that he's gone because he's a bad player. In fact, I know he's not gone because he's a bad player. Yeah, He's gone because he's making enough money on a very affordable contract. And he's not a good three-point shooter. He had become better and he had improved, but he's never going to be a, re- a reliable three-point shooter. And I think this, this front office in Boston realizes that they cannot rely on Tatum and Brown alone. And too many times the ball would wind up in the, the Pritchards or the Al Horfords. And I will never forget Al Horford shooting that air ball last year. <laughs> and Chris Porzingis is not going to do that. He's got a handle, he can shoot, and he can get to the rack. Yeah. And he can finish at the rack. And I think that's that's a of huge value to them. I think that is of, of huge value to them. Yeah. You know, like yeah. But again, that's that's just me. Cougar Track says Stockton to Malone called by Hot Red Huntley when the NBA was great. The NBA is still great. The NBA is still great. Uh J Rod says CP three equals a has been. It it what well, but here's the question. Do you care what he used to be, or are you more interested in what he can do now? Well, I think what people are struggling with is is what he can do now hasn't been amazing. I mean, yeah, he helped he helped lead the Suns to the finals that one year, but then he got hurt, and then they kind of flamed out. And then the next year, it was getting blown out by the Mavericks in, what was that, the second round, I think. And, like, I, th- I think there's a bad, t- honestly, I think there's a bad taste in people's mouth from Phoenix and the Chris Paul experience uh, on top of the bad taste in your mouth from Houston and like refusing to pass I, the ball, yeah, not like, giving it, not getting pe- like, I would agree with that. I would I, agree with that. I don't disagree. Chris Paul's got a lot to offer a team still. Dude's got a lot left in the tank, but he, I, he feels like a guy that, that you know, maybe isn't so willing to accept a bench role. I don't know why I feel that way. I just feel like Chris Paul likes himself some Chris Paul, and that's why he does things like not get Devin Booker the ball or Kevin Durant the ball basically every possession when you should run it through those guys. You just should. And so I hope that he takes the bench role. I hope that he understands, okay, hey, for me right now with where I'm at in my career, 20 minutes a night off the bench is probably better because then – you know, I can play in 70 games instead of 59 games, you know, and I can be more effective that way, but I don't know if he'll do that. What will the Utah Jazz do in the NBA draft? Are they being the most aggressive teams on the on the phone? Because there's a lot of aggressive teams on the phone right now. We'll talk all about it on the Monty Show Draft Extravaganza after we hear from our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do meatballs and marinara. Papa Murphy's does meatballs? Oh, oh, I think you mean I do the meatballs and marinara? And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Well, we do it with savory ground beef covered Covered in tangy tangy marinara. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. And don't forget the meatballs. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you download the Papa Murphy's mobile app. It is the best way to get your Papa Murphy's Pizza. 
And you guys, I'm telling you, man, the marinara meatball on top of the calzones. The calzones at Papa Murphy's for a limited time. If you haven't had them, dude, you're missing out. Whether you put them on a Traeger smoker, put them in a... I love to air fry the, the Papa Murphy's calzones. They come out just unbelievable. And you, you take the meatball marinara with the calzones, pour the meatball marinara on top of the calzones, and I am telling you, it is the single greatest experience <laughs> from a from a you know food gasm perspective that you're gonna have <laughs> that was probably too far try the calzones and the uh, meatball marinara at papa murphy's pizza use the promo code monty 25 to get 25 percent off your purchase of 25 dollars or more at papa murphy's pizza make sure you tell them you heard about it on the monty show presented by the advocates the advocates.com whoo how about the uh, here in 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 the great Monty town? Right, lots of people ride their bikes, motorcycles, scooters, bicycles, and every single day it leads the news: a car on bicycle accident. You guys, if you're somebody that's on a bicycle or motorcycle every day, it's inevitable. It's not a matter of will it; it's when will it. And you have got to be ready when you get into an accident and you're riding your bike and somebody hits you, you got to have the advocates ready to rock and roll, man. And the best part about working with the advocates is they don't charge you unless and until they win your case. So you do not pay the advocates out of pocket ever. You don't pay them a consultation fee or a retainer. In fact, did you know you can go to their website right now, theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com, and chat with an injury attorney right now today for free at the advocates. Make sure you tell them you heard about it. On the Monty Show, it is the NBA Draft Extravaganza presented by our good friends at Tri-Day Trading. Alema Harrington coming up in about 30 minutes on the show. Mike Maples says, any of the casuals going to be at Delta Center tonight? I'm heading down in 20 minutes. Do we like the draft party idea? I, do, I, I don't get it. Have, so you're not, you, you've never I'm, been that guy. I'm not on board with it. I've got a 90-inch TV. I've got Papa Murphy's Pizza. I've got... It and, begs the question. Are you an in-person, you know, draft party or go-to-the-game person? Is that your preferred thing? Or do you like chilling at home in the nice home entertainment setup? Because I got to say, there's a lot of merit in the home entertainment setup, man. I got the Traeger out back. I got, you know... Well, but Mrs. Monty wants the Super Chicks tonight. So we'll be doing Super Chicks tonight mm -hmm. and watching the NBA draft. And I'll do it on my couch in the comfort of my own home. Like, I'm a little perplexed by this. I don't understand the fascination with NBA draft party at Delta Center. Well, I think I, I think that people enjoy, they enjoy getting out. And, and I think what's really interesting is like the draft is on, obviously today's Thursday. It's a Thursday night. So do people go and just deal with work tomorrow? Do, I mean, do you go and leave early like what is the what's the what's the proper behavior when your event or concert or whatever the thing is is on a work night what what is the what yeah. is the protocol because i i'm a guy i won't go to things unless i have to during the week because i like to be rested and ready to go for the next day that's always been kind of my thing like if i'm if i know i'm gonna be up late like if i like there have been times where like we'll be at the range or we'll be at an event or like we'll be out we'll know days at a time hey we're going to be out late this particular day right be ready 
okay, I could kind of prepare for that, I guess. But my preference is at home, chilling in comfort, eating damn good food that I made. Like, that's my thing. Yeah, I, I'm that guy all the way. And, I, you know, listen, I don't hate being in the building. I, I mean, obviously, when your building's as nice as the Delta Center is or Chase Center is or, you know, the Crypto.com, like, you have some really nice buildings, and a lot of teams do these draft parties. I understand fans like going to hang out at the building. It's just never been my thing. It, it's like when... This past season, remember Sacramento? Beam team! Light the beam! Remember when we were talking NBA Finals and playoffs and all the Sacramento fans that went to Golden One Center in Sacramento to watch the playoff games on the road. And I always say to myself, dude, you're missing out on so much because you're watching the game on a Jumbotron. Now you're doing it with a bunch of fans and you're drinking cold beer that you paid $20 for and... (laughs) $50 shitty hot dogs and yeah, I've never understood this. If the game is on the floor in the building, okay, I'm all about that. This draft party thing, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I'm curious, I like in Utah in like golden state's got one. Like I'm very curious to see how many fans will show up to these arenas around the league to watch draft parties. I mean, it makes sense if you're the team, right? I mean, you're just trying to get people in your building. I mean, that's all. That's that's but, the name of the game. But for the but fan, is it? But is it worth it for the team? Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth it. Yeah, I, like tonight at Delta Center, I, I think they'll get. I think they'll get a lot. I think they'll get like ten thousand. Honestly, I do. You think ten thousand oh, yeah. fans in oh, Salt yeah. Lake City oh, are going to go watch yes. a draft party? Yes, they will. You're crazy. We'll see. You're crazy. What What do you think the over under is? I mean, you think the five over, max? You think five? five okay. But dude, you can't get ten thousand at summer league. Yeah, but you get ten thousand, no problem during the season. Yeah, but and this uh, is the draft. But this is a this is a TV show. Well, that's what I mean. But it's not. But but it's not like that for casuals, which is what wow. a lot of fans are. Well, maybe I'm just. Have I turned into old man on the porch? Well, I don't I, think that, you're old man that on the might porch be what this going. is. I don't think you're old man on the porch for not wanting to go. I don't want to go. I want to go to the range. I don't want to go to the draft party. Like that's me. But I'm telling wow. you that anybody in a probably 20 mile radius that is a casual jazz fan that knows that this is a really important draft. Maybe they take them and four of their friends and they just go and have a nice time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just I just wouldn't be surprised. It, it, it is very much Jazz Nation to show out for meaningless games, respectfully. It is. We went to the last game of the year. You're not getting 10,000 people tonight. I Don't be surprised. There's not an arena in the country that gets 10,000 people to watch the NBA draft on a jumbotron. You real I I would be shot that would be shock and awe if you got 10,000 people to show up. Come on now. Tyler Dopp says, "Hey, free usages at the party." Sausages? What you, you know. Um Exotic Adrian Street, I'm sure the Wizards are taking Black at 8 if he's there. I mean, I, I, I think that's interesting because I think the Utah Jazz are going to trade up. Mm-hmm. I think the Utah Jazz are going to trade up. I do. Get to that in a minute. Adam D says, get off my lawn. I, I'm, I understand it. I get it. I'm old. I get it. 
I'm 50 years old. I want to sit on the couch and watch the draft. Or I'm like you. I want to chip in my backyard or hit balls in my backyard while the draft is on. Yeah. Can't do that at a building. Uh, no way you'll ever see me at a draft party, Giggity like, says. My guy. Literally, for me, like, again, and again, I know I'm the asshole about cell phones. I'm the guy that'll go and do whatever I want to do tonight, the range or whatever. I'll have the draft on on my phone and a ear pod in. I, it's not like I'm watching a football game. All I need to know is, hey, hey, by the way, the first hour of the draft. Here we go. Do, 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 do. Hey, VW went number one. Uh, Scoot, probably going to go number two, right? You and then Brandon so. Miller's going number three. That and then took, the Jazz are going to trade up to number four and take Hammond Thompson. I hope. Great. Right? Like, I hope so, too. I would love that. But you see my point, right? With the draft, the first hour of the draft is like, cool, <laughs> autopilot. We already know what's going down right here. Oh, I love that. Uh, Jackson Graham says, the last draft party I attended was packed AF. Okay. What draft party was it? Was it an NBA one or what was it? Mape says, I'll send pictures on the turnout. Please. I'd yeah, love DM to see a, it. DM them, man, please. I'd love to I'd see it. I'd love to see it. Uh, Brass Ball says, are they having food at the draft party? I'm not interested if there's no food. Oh, oh there I'm is. sure there is. There yeah. is. There's free, uh, I believe it's J-Dogs, free J-Dogs for the first 10,000. I really? believe it is. They're, you're not fucking getting... I swear to God. I, if you're 10, wrong 000, about this. If 10,000 people show up, I will be incredibly disappointed. Okay. I will be incredibly disappointed. Because what, what are we doing that 10,000 people want to go watch the NBA draft on a Jumbotron? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. I, I don't under I, Like, is that where we're at entertainment-wise? I'm shocked. And I'm not insulting anybody that goes. I don't mean it to come off that yes, way. Yes, yes, right here. Look, the, on the Jazz Twitter, June 20th, free hot dogs and drinks for the first 10,000 fans. They're expecting numbers, dude. Well, free food will turn them out. Yeah. Free food will turn them out. There, and, there's, and it's not, and again, I, I, just based on the verbiage, draft party at the arena. So I'm guessing on the floor you're going to have like stuff you can do. And the, like, Are we going to have the awkward dudes in the jazz dancers? Guaranteed. You're, I guarantee you you're going to have a kid's area so the kids can go and the parents can go and drink and do what they need to do, even though we don't drink in Salt Lake City. You know, like that's what it's going to be. And I don't have an issue with it. I don't. Like if you're the Are jazz, we going to get the awkward male jazz dancers? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, so I'm yes, not, yes, yes. Am I, so I'm not the only one who thinks it's awkward. It is very awkward. It is, he's the one guy who's really awkward. Court McMullen, if I were single, didn't have kids, I'd go to the draft party. See? It's exactly right. See what I mean? It's exactly right. But, you, but you're yes, not yes, single. Yes. Do you ha are you single? Do you have kids? You can't go to the draft party. You, you can't. Drew Money says people that go are likely to buy merch and food while there. 100%. Food's free. Thanks. I, 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 we got to know. I, I got to know. Mapes, like, I need to know. Mapes, please pay attention if they do an attendance shout out like they would at a game. Pay attention. How packed is it? Take pictures. I want to see. Okay. Okay. Uh, Todd Fairborn. The Jazz had a draft party for years that was highly successful. They always held competition to see who could. Uh, pick the first round most accurately. There you go. Okay. Okay. I like it. Uh, exotic Adrian Street says Grandpa Monty. That's seriously. Seriously. <laughs> McKinley Cutler, the cookie king of Utah. 
says, if some of my friends have been available tonight to go hang out, I would be going, but we all got work. You, Dude, I'm, I'm getting, I feel like I'm aging in front of your eyes. I feel like I'm aging in front of your eyes. Okay. Brass balls, you're seriously underestimate the crazies that would go to a draft party. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly, I would do that. Uh, Tyler Dopp, if they trade to five, we think they'll get a sure. That's my hope. He's, why would you hope that? You don't want a sore, dude. You want Ammon. What? Like, come on now. Uh, Monty owes a ribeye. How much will it cost the Jazz to move up? Well, isn't that the question? Why don't we answer that question after we tell you about our good friends at Bucked Up Energy, the official energy provider of the Monty Show. Got home last night and had my uh, 45% off sale merch. I got like 10 cases of Buckshot. Yes, sir. Ready to rock and roll the whole night through. Watching the NBA draft tonight? No problem. I have energy that's clean, long-lasting energy from our good friends at Bucked Up. These Buckshots are amazing, you guys. Don't take my word for them. Go get them for free. In the description below, there's a link to get yourself six free Buckshots sent right to your front door. And it, the thing that I love them is it, it. there's no crash. There's no spike. You just feel a mental lift. So that you can get through your round of golf. You can get through the rest of your day. You can knock out that spreadsheet you've been putting off for the whole day. It gets you through that post-lunch carb crash. Yeah, That's what you use Buckshot for. Never mind they taste great. There's not a single flavor in their entire arsenal of Buckshot that is not spectacular. And I'm telling you, it's in the description below. Go get it. Buckshot from Bucked Up Energy. By the way... I also want to tell you that they're, uh, they restocked their Miami BCAAs. Their branch chain amino acid, that it, essentially it's a powder. You put it in water, you drink it, you feel great. I'm telling you, it sells out in a GIF. Use the promo code MONTY to get 20% off your purchase at buckedup.com. Go get your Miami BCAAs. I, I, I can only tell you so many times. Yep. Miami is the best flavor of Bucked Up Energy. Their, their energy drink, the Zero Sugar, the best one. The BCAs, anything Miami tastes amazing. Get it right now at buckedup.com. Use the promo code MONTY to get 20% off at checkout from our good friends at Bucked Up. All right, let's talk about the Utah Jazz. What should the Jazz do? <clears throat> I can only tell you what we've heard on this show uh, I've been telling you for several weeks that Jazz have been the most aggressive team in the NBA on the phones. They have been trying to make deals. Uh, we told you here on the show that Colin Sexton is available, and I think the Jazz would very much like to trade Colin Sexton um, because I think they are laser-focused on a point guard. In this draft, I think the Jazz would love to trade up to the fourth spot. Uh, I think they'd love to swap picks with Houston. The question is how much is Danny Ainge willing to give up to get there? And I think it's going to be incredibly expensive, and it's probably not worth worth what you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up multiple first-round picks to get there. I think you are probably going to have to give up a player to get there as well. And I just don't know that the Jazz are willing to do that. That player that I think they would give up, I think they would love to trade Colin Sexton. The question is, is Ammon Thompson that guy? Is Black that guy? Is whoever their flavor of the day is? 
And I am told that they are locked on Ammon Thompson. They would love to find a way to get their hands on him and make them make him their point guard of the future, but the cost is prohibitive. There is no question about that. And Jake, I guess the question is, how much are you willing to give up to get to the fourth spot? Yeah, I'm I'm willing to give up a pretty uh a pretty good amount. I I think that this is where you can't take any chances. I mean, we can we can all sit here and say, yeah, we'll we'll sit at nine and and you know, a guy again, everyone's everyone's common thought is like Taylor Hendricks, you know, is, is who the Jazz really wanna, you know, get into at ninth overall. But but my logic here, if I'm Danny Ainge in this draft, is we as an organization need a point guard. There's just no t- question about that. Mike Conley was kind of your point guard that was initiate your offense guy, but he struggled with injury. Now that was this past year, Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton, but Colin Sexton was hurt. And now it's said that Colin Sexton is on the trade block and Colin Sexton really hasn't lived up to it. And and the, the long and short of it just simply is that Colin Sexton is not a franchise-leading starting point guard. He's just not, and that's okay. That doesn't make him a bad guy. He's just not that guy. So in this draft, when I'm looking at names like Scoot Henderson, you know, the Thompson Twins, uh, you know, I'd even be okay with a, uh, not that Cam Whitmore's a, a, a point guard, but I if he, if he was available and you like him, I would even be okay with that pick. But I just think... There's no reason not to trade up in this draft. There is too much talent. Uh, there is too much quality here. And I think you, if you don't trade up in this draft, I don't know why you tore the organization down. I, I don't know why. I don't know why you traded Rooting and Don. You, you moved on from a team that was a playoff team every year. Why did you do that if you're not going to trade up and you're not going to go hunting for the best player that you can possibly get in this draft? Yeah, I totally agree. And I can tell you um, directly from sources inside the Utah Jazz and around the NBA, um, the Jazz have had conversations around the four, five, six spots in the draft. They are trying to get up to those levels. The question is, you have nine and 16. I mean, really, it is those two picks that we're talking about. Houston's not going to give you the fourth pick if you give them the ninth and the 16th. That doesn't make a lot of sense for them to do that. I think they already have a deep young roster. But the, the the question is when you look at Ammon Thompson, and for my money, the value in Ammon Thompson is that vision, that court vision. Are you worried about his jump shot? Well, yeah, of course you're worried about his jump shot. But most NBA general managers and most NBA coaches will tell you they can fix a guy's jump shot. The question is if Ammon Thompson comes into your locker room right now, he is very clearly your best point guard option. There is no doubt about that. And I, I think when it comes to Colin Sexton, I don't think it's an on-court performance issue. I don't think that's the reason the Jazz want to trade him. I think they want to trade him because he just isn't the guy that fits into what their dynamic is. I think he wants to be a starting point guard in the NBA. I don't think the Jazz want him to be their every, their every night point guard. Mm-hmm. I, I, they just don't. I think he would not be comfortable as a first guard off the bench. And he's good enough, by the way. Let's make something very clear. You look at Colin Sexton, he is good enough to play as a number one point guard on pretty much every team in this league, with the exception of about five championship caliber teams. There's no doubt he can play in this league. I think the questions around Colin Sexton are his mentality and his style of game fitting into Will Hardy's system. And I think both of those are misfits for the Utah Jazz. They paid dearly to figure that out, 
But that doesn't mean that he doesn't have value around this league. And I think they would love nothing more than to flip him and two draft picks and get up to the four or five or six spot. Are they willing to do that? We'll see. Are they going to be able to do that? I think they're going to be able to make a deal. It's simply a matter of who's who's the willing dance partner. Because you look at the clubs that are in the four, five, six spot, I think the most logical dance partner is very clearly Detroit. They have a history of making trades. I know that, Dan, that Danny communicates with Detroit on a regular basis. And I, I, I look at the fact that you're in the five spot here. Detroit has wild aspirations of getting out of the top 10 of the draft. They want to trade down. They have worked to trade down. The Jazz have worked to trade up. Mm -hmm. It's a natural fit for the Jazz and the Pistons to make a trade for that fifth spot. The question is, is Ammon Thompson or your, your point guard of choice going to be there? And I think the answer is very clearly, he is. Ammon Thompson, oh, he's not there? Anthony Black will absolutely be there at five. It makes no sense that anybody above Orlando would pick Anthony Black. Now, I, I would tell you th uh, how I think these first three picks are going to go. Shocker, Victor Wambanyama's going to San Antonio number one. I think when you look at the second spot, I actually think it's Brandon Miller going to Charlotte. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to bring Scoot Henderson into to Charlotte and have two very young players that need a lot of maturing. Because again, I think one of the more interesting parts about Charlotte is LaMelo Ball is not a mature player. He's not a mature person and he's not a mature player yet. Right. Brandon Miller, for everything that he he's run into off the court in Tuscaloosa, he's a mature player. And the other thing that he is, is he's a guy who can knock down the jump shot from the three and from the mid-range in the NBA. And what is that going to do? That is going to boost LaMelo Ball's game. That's going to boost his stats. I think Brandon Miller's the better fit there. Now, we've heard all kinds of wild rumors about the fact that they're they're choosing between Scoot and Brandon, and I think it's got to be Brandon Miller. That I, I, yeah. I just think he makes too much sense. Yeah, there. I mean, I think that's a great point. You know, I, I think that, you know, the LaMelo Ball situation is definitely fluid. I mean, you can't count on him. There's no doubt about that. But he's a lovely talent when he's out there. No, no question. So, you know, to me, on one hand, totally, totally understand why Brandon Miller makes sense. I think on another hand, if I'm Charlotte, I got to seriously consider, uh, you know, how much injury mitigation we need to be doing with LaMelo Ball. Because again, if you go the Brandon Miller route, the injuries with LaMelo Ball are still going to continue to be a factor. So if in Charlotte's mind, they're saying, hey, if LaMelo is going to be out all the time, maybe it is the right thing to take Scoot because maybe maybe Scoot ends up being the guy and we just got to move on from LaMelo. No, I'm not saying they're they're saying to themselves, hey, we need to move on right now, but you can just kind of see the progression, right? With like Lonzo's situation, his career is essentially over. Hey, we've got another ball brother that's got great talent, but is hurt a lot. Like he's hurt a lot. A lot. And now he's a guy that, in my opinion, hasn't had the major off-the-court scandal yet, but is five minutes and a cup of coffee from having one. And I, if I'm them, I would not blame them for taking Scoot. I agree Brandon Miller's probably the better path at this stage, but I wouldn't blame them or be surprised if they took Scoot. Well, and I also would remind you that they brought both guys in this week in Charlotte. I mean, they had Brandon and Scoot down there, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, um, and Scoot Henderson did very well um, in his on-court workout there. But I know that Brandon Miller and Michael Jordan got along famously. 
Uh, I know that Brandon Brandon's the player that they. I mean, from an XNL perspective, Brandon's the player they should take. Yeah. I think they're going to have a hard time making that decision. But from what I understand, it's Brandon. Um, and I think I think number four and five are up in the air. If the Rockets make that pick, there's no doubt they're taking Ammon Thompson. I don't have any doubt about that. I think if Detroit makes that pick, which would shock me, I think they're going to take Anthony Black. Uh, I think Orlando uh, at that point is probably... You know, that's interesting. They they probably would wind up with a Sewer Thompson... Um, but we'll see. I, you know, I there's so much opinion. Once you get down like five, six, seven, there's a lot of philosophy, a lot of opinion in these picks, man. A lot of it is, hey, what path do we want to take our organization? Because, because I, again, like Orlando's uh, a point guard case, right? Like you look at, you know, all the all the not issues, but just inconsistencies they've had uh, uh, with their point guards over the last several seasons and the injuries and and so yeah, if you want to take a sore, great. You can do that. I, I I know a lot of people have slated uh, uh, the magic to be big on Grady Dick, but you're not taking Grady Dick at number six. No, and I, I think they're another team that I've heard the Jazz have talked to about trading out. Um, I, I, I just think the price tag is what you're worried about here. Yeah. The biggest question with Anthony Black is, do you buy that he can become an NBA jump shooter? And that's the one question I have about him. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he can become a consistent shooter in this league. I love his game. I think there's not a lot not to like. But let's get something very clear with the Jazz. They're after a point guard. That's the thing that I think this team has lacked for how many years, including when Mike Conley was here, because mm -hmm. you couldn't count on the guy like, if you'd have had a healthy, full-bore point guard, you probably won the Western Conference, what, three years ago now. So you feel like this is the draft to address that point guard in. And I, I think that's why you got to go all in on Ammon Thompson. In, in my opinion, I think Anthony Black is your second guy. Um, I think if you don't wind up, if you don't wind up trading and you stay at 9 and 16, I absolutely think you can add Grady Dick. I think he helps you. Jarris Walker's a guy I really like who I think can help you. Cam Whitmore's a guy I think can really help you because I'm also of the belief that obviously Walker Kessler's your big. I think one of the bigger questions here is Larry Markkinen. Is Larry Markkinen a three or a four more comfortably? Does it matter? It probably doesn't matter because in, in Will Hardy's system, you have a lot of movement and really... I mean, if you get if you get the very best out of this Utah Jazz team, Larry Markkinen's probably a guy that can play with his back to the block a little bit, can really take the ball at the elbow, can come off of screens and shoot threes, can run certainly can run the floor. He's shown us that. Yeah, he's a guy that's got a nice power step and a in a swing through move. We saw that in Chicago last year with the dunk. Like, I don't know that it matters whether Laurie plays a three or a four. But when you when you look at Cam Whitmore, Cam Whitmore fits really nice in the NBA as a three, in my opinion. Totally. So I think you can you run Walker, Laurie, Cam Whitmore at the three? Sure you can. But who's your point guard? Because it's not Colin Sexton. Yeah, and I, I love Cam Whitmore's body too. Six six two thirty is a really yeah. nice build. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the hard part is if you get past if you get past Anthony Black. You're probably a Kobe uh, Buffkin guy. Agreed. And I, because I think that's the only other, that's the only other guy where you're like, yeah, dude, Kobe Buffkin, kid from Michigan, but he's awfully young. He's not even 20 years old yet. Yep. And you know that the 
The question for me is, if you are picking a guy like Kobe Bufkin, what are you expecting the upside to be? Because I think he's a, a, the problem is he's not a point guard and he's not a two guard. I think the problem is he fits right in the middle. Well, I think the question around development is really interesting because Fizdale, the head of development, is not here anymore, right? Like, obviously, that move was made in the offseason. So, you know, I, I, I think it's really interesting. I'm not saying that he was solely responsible for this organization's incredible development ability this season with guys like Walker Kessler and Ocha Agbaji, but, but, I, I, but I think you got to ask that question. I mean, again, when your head of development leaves... And and I have no problem with him leaving. He's obviously pursuing his career, but I but I just wonder, you know, how much does that change? You know, how like how, what is the confidence level in taking a guy who is young and and is well, clearly a build guy and turning that guy into an everyday contributor? You know, like that's that's a question. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's going to be very interesting because you look at what the Jazz have in the future. You know, there's some people who there's some people who believe that they would rather trade that that Minnesota unprotected pick, and the 2025 picks are interesting because they're Cleveland and Minnesota both unprotected. Right. And the question is, which one of those rosters has the higher upside? I mean, you have three first round picks in 2025, and they're all unprotected at this point. So. I think it's going to be really interesting to see exactly where this, what, who the Jazz give up. But, dude, I, I, I think if you have any opportunity, any opportunity, to to get up to four, five, six, and you can get your hands on Ammon Thompson or Anthony Black, I think you got to do that. I, I think he. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Ammon not- Thompson's a kid, dude. He's 20 years old, but I love his his, his court vision. And the thing I love is he's not score first. Mm-hmm. He's not score first. He's incredible as an athlete. He is aggressive. He is a distributor. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of that type of player. Yeah. And I really am hoping, I am really hoping that that's what he's after. But... Man, that kid can really play. That kid can really play, and it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, let's see where you guys are at. Uh, Jackson Graham says, Jazz tried David Stockton, and it didn't work. Okay. That's cool. Um, <laughs> Salty Drunk, what's up? Giddy went at six, and OKC got criticism. Gotta love Presty. Well, I mean, I, I hope you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you're if you're... But mm. well, I mean, there's no question that this is a this is a high leverage draft for the Jazz. So, I mean, there's just no if ands or buts about it. I mean, that it is. There, I, I would like, agree with I, that. I mean, that's this is this is one of those drafts where it's not like just a casual. Yeah, hey, it's a draft. You know, what, what are we gonna do? Like, no, this is hey, we tore it down. We had a really nice year where we overachieved this year, and now. Now we got to execute on that value we got from tearing it down and being bad, if you will, or, or yeah. not being a playoff contender, if you will. I agree. Uh, Jet Wayman, the Tau King of Utah, says, Sup, guys, Calzones from Papa Murphy's and draft night for me. I'm stoked about it. I Go, love baby. the NBA draft. I think it is. The NFL draft is the best draft. There's no question in my mind. Well, I mean, the the hockey, well, but the MLB draft, too. Right, right. Uh, the NFL draft's the best draft. The NBA draft is close second, though. Yeah. 
Jack, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I love it. Uh, Little Jizzy says they sound draft Jake and Monty since they know everything. I, well, what, I mean, what does that mean, wrong. dude? I don't know what that means. I have okay. no idea what that means. Um, let's see. Cheetah says Papa Murphy's pizza is a thousand times better than Domino's. Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, what are we even talking about, dude? I, I see, and we we talk about this a lot on the show. I I don't know, I don't know who orders Domino's pizza anymore, and I'm sure people do. I see their stores all over the place. Mm-hmm. But Papa Murphy's pizza is, I mean, it's the difference between homemade pizza and frozen pizza out of the box. Yeah, because it. At Domino's, that's what you're getting. You're getting frozen pizza out of the box. Mm -hmm. At Papa Murphy's, you're getting fresh pizza, fresh dough, fresh vegetables, the best cheeses. Like you're getting handmade pizza every single time you make it. You're getting a handmade calzone every single time you make it. Like that's the best part about Papa Murphy's. It's just fresher. It's better. Yeah. You know, like it is. Totally agree. Give me the, give me the take and bake that I can cook at my house. And it'll turn out perfect every single time. It, that's the bottom line. Or give me the, hey, he's made 10 pizzas. They're in a bag and he's running around the 10 different houses. That's what I hate about delivery pizza. Mm-hmm. It's why it is, it is why I originally started going to Papa Murphy's and why I still go. Because I hate the fact that when you get your pizza delivered, it's got to drive around the 10 other dudes' house. <laughs> I, like I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's the problem. It gets it, it's cold. It's like not it's like it's not good anymore. Many, it's and, smashed. And I, like, I love other local pizza places. Like oh, we put a pizza stand in there. It won't get smashed. It's right. always smashed. Right. Always. Right. Oh, it makes me crazy. Yeah. And I can customize it so there's not like a pound of grease from the cheese on it. Yeah. And I can cook it how I want. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Jackson Graham. I think whatever reason, teams always try to conceal their intentions around draft night. Well, I think you have to. Because when you tell everybody, hey, we want to do X, Y, and Z, who wants to, you're giving away your value. Yeah. Teams are going to offer you less when they know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why they do it. That's exactly why they do it. So, I don't know. We'll see about that. Um, let's see. Good Lord. Uh, maybe Brent Burnett says, maybe a twin in black. Maybe both twins. I just don't think I, – I put a lot of time into Ammon Thompson and a lot of time into Asar Thompson, and I just don't think Asar is – is. I'm probably wrong. I just don't think he's the player that Ammon Thompson is. I think Ammon is just so athletic, so quick, has incredible vision. I believe he's going to develop, and I think I look at – I look at Asar and I just say, he's going to be a great defensive player. There's no doubt about that. He's going to be a great fast break player. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that he's the guy that I want. I don't, I don't think he's a guy that he's much more of a project in yeah. my opinion. And I, I look, I, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying that at all. Um, I just think that when you look at, you look at Ammon, he's that guy that, dude, he is, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. They're both athletic. They're both, they both got great size. Like I just look at, I look at Thompson. I think he's, his wingspan is, I think he's got like a, he's got a huge wingspan. Yeah. But the question for me is, 
Is he too reliant on his athleticism? And is he beating up on people at that level at overtime elite and academy basketball because he's just an athletic freak? And I think he is. Well, isn't this the question about a lot of guys in the draft? I mean, again, it's the question about Victor. I mean, is Victor be is Victor putting up the numbers he's putting up because of his body and his length and he's just that much better or is it partially because he plays overseas I, I think a lot of people wonder about that and i think whether it's him or it's the overtime elite guys or whatever i, I think people ask that question all the time and, and and it was not asked so much like if i look back like i look at a guy like zion right because zion was just such a freak when he was at duke like you look at zion and it's like hey dude like what you know is this Zion being that much better than than everybody else or 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 what is it and and I think because Zion isn't like seven four and like this freak body he was more of like hey I'm just I can jump higher than you I can out athlete you but I'm still a reasonable size at that time people were like oh yeah this guy's a no doubt about it we're good to go no problem book it and I think now because the Zion experience hasn't been so good, people, I think, are much more wary of, hey, what was your path? How did you get here? What is your body like? Like, I look at Paolo Bancaro. Dude, Paolo Bancaro is the most reliable NBA build when it comes to body and when it comes to path. That's what NBA scouts are looking for. And yep. if you're not that, they're going to ask questions. Yeah, I I am... Um... Uh, that's my concern about Asur Thompson is I think he is a guy that is freaky athletic, but like he ta one of the things that he does a lot is he tries to get to the basket and he is always getting called for charges because he's out of control. Like his jump shooting, I, I think part of his jump shooting is he's untrained mm -hmm. and his footwork's terrible and he takes a, he's that kid that can get by you he gets in the paint, gets shut off, and he'll take like a wrong foot jump shot that's a brick. Yeah. And he does that consistently. Whereas Ammon Thompson is much more distribute vision, and he's he plays much more within himself. He's a much more refined player, whereas Sewer Thompson is a guy that's just running up and down the floor because he's faster and he's more athletic than you, so he's going to try and get to the rim all the time, right? Because he knows he's not a good shooter. I think with a little footwork, with a little, hey, why don't you become a, a, a power stop jump shooter? Why don't you become a set your feet guy, then shoot guy? Mm -hmm. Instead of always, because you know how the game is. When you're a kid now, I mean, it's 2023. Everybody wants a teardrop. Everybody wants a wrong foot jumper. Like, yeah. But that takes a lot of work, and I just don't think Asura Thompson has put that work in. Not yet. I think he's going to be forced to, or he's not going to be in the league. Yeah, because that's very true. He is a guy that reminds me a lot of like a Justice Winslow. Mm -hmm. And can he train himself out of that and become a better offensive player? Because if not, you're just not you're not going to be a top end NBA player. Yeah, I cannot see Amon Thompson not turning into one of the best guards in the league. Yeah, I because I think he can knock down the three and his ability to pass and play within himself, dude. Like, I, I, I just think everybody throws around, oh, the Thompson twins. And it's like, well, actually, they're, they're twins. They're completely different players. Yeah. They don't play alike. They're not the same kind of player. Mm -hmm. They're not the same physical build. And I know a lot of people love to get into that, but I'm just telling you they're, they're different players. All right. Without further ado, 
here on the uh, Monty Show Draft Extravaganza presented by our good friends at TridayTrading.com. Let's welcome in Alema Harrington. Wow, look at you like big production studio oh, look at TV us. guy. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. As you guys know, you heard about uh, the new deal with uh, our television broadcasts and all of that is taken care of and kind of in the rearview window for us and we can focus in on the draft here tonight. A lot of excitement, probably as excited as people have been about the draft, and, and I don't know how long, but to have three first-round picks, I don't think we've had that since 04. Um, you know, there's a lot of and, – and who knows what happens with those three picks, whether or not you trade some of them, who's available, you know, at what, you know, spot, and, and those kinds of things. But it's an exciting night. And, and actually, Tony Hawk's got his thing here tonight too. So I don't know if you can hear the skateboarders. They're on that side of me. we got part of the arena here, which is cordoned off, that will be for the draft. Then we've got a live stream that we'll be doing starting at 6 o'clock here tonight on YouTube. And so we got a lot of stuff going on, but there's a lot of excitement surrounding what's happening here tonight. Yeah, you know, and, and I think, Alema, one of the things that I want to ask you about is that TV deal because there was a lot of consternation about that. Uh, and I just don't see the negative on the TV deal. And I know yeah. a, a lot of people in our business and a lot of people in sports, fans, et cetera, I mean, everybody tends to default to the negative these days, it seems like. But – from my perspective, the idea that you're on free TV in your market is huge. But I also think this idea that you're starting a production company, you're building a platform, you're going to stream your games, and we're going to get this unique one-off content that you can't get anywhere else. Alema, I just don't yeah. see the negative in that. So I, I, we're, we're far enough removed from it now that I can pull the curtain back a little bit and give you guys a little insight onto how this thing happened. I can tell you what, almost one year ago to the day, we had a little retreat with the broadcast team. We were talking about the AT&T sports deal. We were talking about how regional sports networks were really having a hard time and that there was gonna be probably some bankruptcy involved. And, and for us as a franchise, it made sense for us to figure out something different and something that wasn't in that model, right? And as we're talking, Jim Olson was talking to our broadcast group and he said, I really believe that the NBA is looking at Ryan Smith because of who he is as a businessman in the tech world, as the guy that's probably going to create the new model. And that, that's exactly, I, I think, what is happening right before our eyes to go back to local television over the air. We go from 39%, I think, coverage of people able to get your games on TV to now 100% in your market and beyond. The reach goes beyond that, obviously. And then to be able to have, as you were talking about, the one-off content, the things that we'll be able to do behind the scenes will be, I, I think, things that the rest of the league is going to look at and they're going to say, okay, you know, we, we are waiting for somebody to figure it out that somebody is Ryan Smith in the Utah Jazz and they've got this thing worked out. And I think you'll see a lot of different franchises following this model. So I think we're in a, in a great place. And you mentioned that we're starting up a, uh, um, you know, a broadcast group, which the truth is we are one of the few in the market that has our own production team already. So all of our broadcasters, all of the, the cameras that are in this arena, the directors that are in the truck, all of those people in other circumstances would be working for Fox Sportsnet or for a regional sports network, where in our situation, we all work for the franchise already. We are already in-house. So what we've done is taken that group 
and created the company sports entertainment group and and turned that into a media company on top of everything else that we do but we didn't have to go out and figure out okay because other teams are going to have to do this they're going to have to figure out how to bring things back in house or in house maybe for the first time whereas we've had that situation that luxury for a lot of years yeah and i think that's a that's a big deal as we talked to alema harrington thanks to our friends at tridaytrading.com I think that's a luxury that Ryan Smith brings because I, the, the word in all of this is innovation. Because if we do the same things we've always done, as the saying goes, you get that same result. And I think when you look at the courage that it took to tear this roster down, and you look at the courage that it takes to bring your TV deal back to your local market because you're not getting the paycheck that you were getting. Now, obviously you're getting reach and reach has always translated into revenue. But you look at innovation, Alema, I think it takes courage. And I think Ryan Smith is is demonstrating courage through the leadership to go and do what he what he's doing and what you're talking about. I tell you, it's 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 inspiring to to be around what Ryan Smith is doing with this group. And I, I we were on the broadcast call to let us know what was gonna be happening. And so we got some of the information a little bit before the press conference that happened uh, earlier in the week. And it was with Jim Olson and Caroline Klein, who is, is my boss. Jim Olson, of course, is the president. But then Ryan Smith ends up jumping into this meeting and uh, and, and took the lead on it and, and was able to give us kind of what's been going on and how much work has gone into this. This was no small undertaking to be able to pull this off, especially in the time frame that they had to try to get it done before the draft, try to get it done before summer league, and then you know get everything ready and organized for us to be able to get our games out uh, when the season starts in October. So there's a lot of moving parts here, and there's a lot going on. And so, it, again, I, I think the word that comes to mind is inspiring to be around a guy that is as business savvy as Ryan Smith is, has a love for the game of basketball. But it, it was interesting. One of the comments he made, he says, you know, we bought this team and we got the Delta Center as part of it. Now the Delta Center, right? Always been this building, but now renamed the Delta Center. He said, you know, so I, I looked at Ash, Ashley, my wife, and I said, I guess we're in, I, we're, we're in the real estate business because we own this piece of property. And then coming, of course, with the, the, the franchise is the broadcast. He said, I guess we're a media company. So it continues to grow and evolve, but I can't think of a better person to have at the helm than Ryan Smith and that leadership group that is with him to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. Nope, I agree. Let's talk uh, real quick before we get to the Jazz Draft. Let's talk about uh, TridayTrading.com. Um, you know, I talk every day about this, you know, this 30-day $10 trial membership. Why is that difference-making for people, and why is it so important that Triday Trading is structured it that way? Well, just think if you had a chance on tonight is draft night and you were able to make your pick and you had full access to everything that they could provide and get a real feel for what they were. And after 30 days, say, ah, you know what? I think we'll go a different direction. Well, that, that's exactly what Triday Trading is doing for you for just $10. And that $10 is not going in Triday Trading's pocket. That's going to charity. That's just to make sure that, hey, we want to make sure that that you want to do this. Like you have enough interest in this that you're willing to say, okay, I'll give $10 and like give me access. There's a little, there's a cameo from, from Dave Fox here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Our new partners over at Sinclair and KJazz. Uh, but for, for anybody like myself, 
I, I would love to be able to have a 30 day trial and figure out, okay, does this thing work for me or not? And the, the answer for me was absolutely it did. And, and I was able to get the resources, get the coaching, all the things that, that are part of Trident Training's program, including the proprietary software, which is the game changer. You get all of that, and then you can decide for yourself whether or not this thing is for you. And I'm pretty confident that uh, one, that, that you'll probably decide that it is for you. And number two, that I feel pretty confident that, let's see what kind of kicks you got. Okay. Some, yeah. He's got some Jordans on. Yeah. That's always go. good. I got, I got my my all-star, all-black, patent leather Lowe's Jordan 1s. But I'm not flexible, so I can't get them up here. <laughs> but bottom line is this, and we talk about it all the time. We joke around that, of course, if, if, if you are, are an intelligent person and your audience is, if you look at this and you're thinking, I'd like more control over my financial future, then this is something that you can do. And Tri-Day Trading is so confident that if they get you coached up and into the market, that that you're going to be successful. That you're going to they're going to fund an account for you, and you will trade using their money and be able to keep up to eighty percent of what you make. I can't think of a better deal than that. No, and I, and I think we we the other thing that we talk about a lot is the the number one question I get is is it legit? It sounds too good to be true. Like. I mean, you look at the fact that Triday Trading and, and Ryan and the guys in Lehigh at Triday Trading, that's a local company, but they're not a month old. They're, uh, they're a decade and more in the business. Like this is not something that's fly by night. This is a legitimate way to get yourself out of waking up every day and hating your boss and hating the fact he made you go to the office. This is a way to gain financial freedom and flexibility for you and your family. And you can do this, you can do this in stages if you like. Like you can start off, I'm going to do this from home before I commute to work, or I'm going to do this at home before I log on to, to work remotely at my house. And then it can progress where now I'm starting to replace some of my income to now I'm going to be able to take over all of my income. I always tell people, how would it be if you could just, let's say, work from home three to five days a week and make your car payments? Would you, would you sign up for that? And, and you're only working for a couple hours a day, three to five days a week. I'm like, yeah, sign me up for that. Well, how about if you could pay your mortgage by doing that? Oh, absolutely. Well, eventually you could work yourself into that's what you do. And you can, as long as you've got an internet connection, you can do this. Like my family, we're headed to Egypt and to Italy coming up later on this summer. It's like, I could do it from there. Like you can do it anywhere you are. And so the financial freedom that you can enjoy as a part of this program is without comparison. And, and I always tell people 30 days, give it a try. And they, they will do everything in their power to make sure that you have access to everything that you need to make a wise decision for yourself and for your family. Yep, absolutely right. Alema Harrington presented by TridayTrading.com. Before we let you go, um, what do you think the Jazz tact is? We've heard a lot this week that the Jazz are being aggressive and trying to trade up. Um, we know that there's opportunities to do that from Houston and from Detroit. Orlando, I think, would like to move down. W what do you see the Jazz doing tonight? Well, I can't speak specific specifically to some of that stuff, but I can tell you that the Jazz will be aggressive. Uh, this, this is an important draft for Utah, and, and we talk about – where Utah is, you mentioned Ryan Smith and being willing to kind of tear down this team, even midseason, to rebuild it. 
And if you look at whether the example is the Denver Nuggets or go back to 2015, you're talking about the Golden State Warriors. You know, those are the blueprints, the models that, that franchises are looking at. If we're going to build from the draft, then we have to make sure we take full advantage of the opportunities that we have, whether those are assets that you use in a trade or whether you are able to find the right fits when it comes to draft day and you're looking at the talent that's on the board. I think that the, the Jazz typically, and if you look at Danny Ainge and his history, it's going to be uh, aggressively looking for the best fit, but more so or in, in combination with best available on the board at that time. And the War Room is actually over at ZBBC, Zions Bank Basketball uh, Campus. And we'll have live reports coming from there as well. I'm sure you guys will have plenty of coverage uh, here on your show uh, this afternoon into the evening. But I think that that you can expect that the Jazz will take full advantage of having three first-round picks. And whether that's to be used as an asset or to find the right fits for the guys that, that, that can make a difference on this team. And again, you look at the Denver Nuggets and what they've done through the draft, or you go back to, again, the Golden State Warriors, what they did through the draft and building their teams that way. And even Danny Ainge, if you look at the Boston Celtics and, and what, what he was able to, to, to develop there, that's, I think, going to be what you see here tonight or the beginning of it. And it all starts, I still think that your head coach is important. If you look at the Denver Nuggets, or you look at the Golden State Warriors and Denver, when they brought in Mike Malone, he went through, they went three years without going to the playoffs. And most, most coaches would get fired by then, but Denver was able to be patient. This for us is, is a weird place to be because we actually have our own lottery pick because we didn't make the playoffs this year. We're not accustomed to that, but that's part of this process. So I think you, you take full advantage of those moments, whether it's, one year, and I don't think it will be. I think the Jazz make the playoffs this upcoming season. Yeah. But you take full advantage of those opportunities when you have them. Now, listen. Listen, I know Tony Hawk and the half piper in the building. We can kind of see it in the background. <laughs> I know you want to, but you can't drop into the half pipe, ma'am. you got to stay Not off anymore. the skateboards tonight. Not anymore. I've retired from my, my skateboarding um, <laughs> career. That is long gone. And uh, I, I play some pickup football with my kids and basketball. And uh, just so that they can, I, I'm like a blocking dummy out there and they just <laughs> whiz around me. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't believe you. I haven't seen you and jazz bear in the same room in a long time. So don't <laughs> I, I, You can't convince me. I'm you're not the, in the uniform. I'm nowhere near that athletic. Nowhere near. <laughs> Alema, always, always good to see you. Enjoy the draft tonight. Appreciate you hopping on the Thanks, show. guys. Always great being with you. There you go. Alema Harrington, tridaytrading.com. Uh, tridaytrading.com slash Monty. You guys, you heard what he said. I mean, it's t 10 bucks for a 30-day membership. The guy's absolutely lights out when he tells you, hey, you can build the life you want in any way that you want. You want to keep your part-time job? I love what he said about, hey, you want to pay your mortgage? You want to, hey, are you trying to pay that car down? Are you trying to make your car payment every month? Maybe you're saving to buy that investment property. Maybe you need a second stream of income. Absolutely, tridaytrading.com. Dot com has the program for you. Hook it up. Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. $10 charitable donation. Get that 30-day that membership and then make a decision after 30 days because I'm telling you, it's absolutely the right way to go. Mm -hmm. How good's Alema Harrington, by the way? Hey, man. I mean, you have to expect, you know, Alema's part of the organization, so, you know, you can't, can't divulge top secret classified information, but... 
But I like what he said. They're going to be aggressive. And I agree with that tact. And I think he makes a good point. Hey, you know, yeah, maybe we haven't been championship contenders every year, but he's not wrong. The Jazz are typically a playoff team. And, yep. and that's the truth. And I think, you know, yeah, maybe it does feel a bit odd to have a lottery pick. But at the same time, you have a lottery it pick. Does. You got three in the first round. You've got a ton of assets in the next couple of seasons that you have to work with. And I think... I, again, I'm just going to keep saying it. There's no reason not to be really aggressive tonight. There's no reason not to move up inside of the top six and get the best guy available. I just I, I, I just think you have to do that. Yep, totally agree. Salty Drunk says, Alema seems like such a good dude. The best dude. Absolutely. Uh, Brent Burnett says, Jazz still should have went after Kristaps Porzingis? No. No, dude. No, 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 no. Now, like, you've got to stay on timeline. I think everybody, like, and I love that Jazz fans want them to go out and, and get every guy that gets traded. Kristaps Porzingis is expensive, and he's a risk. And he's the guy you go and get when Boston needs a guy to take them over the top. Kristaps mm -hmm. Porzingis is your guy. When the Lakers need a guy to take them over the top, you you, you go and you, you get after guys like that. Or Golden State needs a veteran presence. Go pay Chris Paul. You don't pay Chris Dapps Porzingis. You don't go and trade for Chris Dapps Porzingis and give up what what uh, essentially Boston had to give up and what Phoenix gave up to get Bradley Beal. Like you don't go and do that for guys that are not in your timeline. Yeah, Chris Dapps Porzingis is not on their timeline. Uh, Cheetah Cheeto says I've been watching Alema uh, since Show Me the Title in '97. Nice. There you go. Nice. Uh, Sam Lott says, so Brent, you're saying KP, Laurie, and Walker together? Yeah, no. That's not going to work either. I don't know what you do with that. Uh, Sam, I agree with you. Patrick uh, Malone says, I hope the Jazz remember international fans with all the exclusive content on streaming. Hopefully the service is available internationally. Well, you're going to be able to pay for it. And that's, that's the beautiful thing. Patrick is in Australia. Another uh, another Australia, Mike. Australia, Mike. So is Salty Drunk Giddies in Melbourne. Are in the house. Let's go. The Josh Giddies are in the house. <laughs> Let's go. We let we have a lot of listeners in Australia. We actually. do. We do. Um, and we've built quite the uh, the international contingent. The contingent on the show. Our good friends uh, friends on the Pacific Rim, um, including Australia, including the Philippines, including the Japanese. We love seeing you guys in Japan. Thank you for being here. Hey, guys. Big Dog O-Town says, I have direct stream. Who don't carry K-Jazz? Guess no jazz for me next year. Come on, Big Dog. Maybe you can go Get to Super app, Chicks dude. on Riverdale Road in Ogden and hook it up. Uh, Cisbro, uh, how good is the competition in Overtime Elite? Well... Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's hit and miss. I mean, I I, I think it's certainly, you know, uh, on par with, uh, you know, college basketball. If that's what you're asking, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think I think these are all kids or players, pros technically, uh, who who are NBA prospects. There's just no Six, doubt about 16 that. Sixteen to twenty year old kids, overtime elites based in Atlanta, um, and they travel around and compete and it's owned by overtime and i mean it's a it's a it's a good circuit yeah. it is a it is a good circuit but you really have to understand it's not the g league um and i think if you look at scoot henderson um if you look at lamello ball going to lithuania and then to australia australia has become quite the fertile ground yeah you look at the 
the MBL in Australia, and I think it's as James and um, you know Patrick Malone can tell you, basketball, professional basketball in Australia is a big deal. Yeah, and if you, I think the the biggest problem is, is that when you have guys that you know Dante Exum comes to mind. Dante Exum didn't want to go to college; he wanted to prep, and he never was asked to compete against people that were better than him. Mm-hmm. And the thing with the G League or Overtime Elite or you know a, 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 a college-age kid going to Australia to play in the NBL, they're competing against bigger, stronger, better guys. LaMelo Ball playing in Lithuania, he's talked about the fact that it absolutely prepared him to be a professional because he was playing against adults when he was 17 years old. Like that's... That's what guys like Dante Exum never did. But what they did 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 do, hello, is get paid. And I think that's something you absolutely have to consider is that a lot of these kids are getting paychecks, but the question is, are they getting prepared to play NBA basketball? Yeah. And I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, Dominion Small says, I've watched Ammon and Azur highlights. They are unreal athletes. Top tier. There's no doubt that those two dudes can really play. Yeah. But how polished is Ammon, though? When you watch their tape, and I've, I'm with you, I've watched a ton of their tape. Yeah. Ammon's game stands out. Yeah, like, I think his creativity in the pick and roll, I think, is if you're an NBA team, is, is what, you're, what you're really like, okay, you know, if, if things go sideways, worst case scenario, because I'm a big believer in that in the draft, right? Like, like tonight with Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz. Hey, if things go sideways and we end up in Cam Whitmore... Well, that's a pretty good place to be if things go sideways, you know? Um, it, like, if things go sideways with, you know, uh, Ammon Thompson. Well, hey, what what do you know about Ammon Thompson? Dude's got elite, like, unreal, can't quantify vision. Uh, he understands timing in the pick and roll. Uh, and at a minimum, if he never develops his shot, he's going to be able to facilitate your offense and get out and transition and put other guys in a position to score. That's that's the That's the basement. The ceiling is is probably all-star guard for like 10 years in a row. But to do that, you're going to have to figure out how to shoot the basketball reliably. I mean, that's just going to have to be something that he develops over the next couple of seasons. But again, this is why I say, look at Giannis. Giannis couldn't shoot a basketball. What did he have to do? Let me get this right. This cat had to build his body. Then he had to figure out how to shoot a basketball. Correct. And now he's where he is. So if he can do that, this kid can do it. Yep, totally agree. Um, Monty owes a ribeye. Do you think the Jazz will draft Jordan Haber with the 28th pick? So do you guys know who Jordan Haber is? This, I think, is a trap question or trying to trick us. Jordan Haber's a law student mm-hmm. who found a loophole in the NBA's new CBA that allowed him to apply and become eligible for draft status. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's never played basketball and doesn't want to play basketball. He just wanted to be cool and make a name for himself. Mm-hmm. And so he created a TikTok over it and it's paid for his law school now. So like, I, I think this was a trap question, but you know. Uh, Jet Wayman says, KP is way too injury prone. Definitely not a good fit in Utah and doesn't fit our timeline. I don't even worry about the injuries. He showed last year that he can play in as much as you want him to play. 
Um, and he showed his games back. Like if they, you go through a knee injury like he had, or you go through a broken leg like Stayward had, or you know any of these dudes. Like it's gonna take you two years to get back. Think that's HIPAA. And then you go to Dallas and you play with a black hole like Luca, dude. You, he lost years in Dallas. Yeah. There's 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 just no doubt about that, right? I mean. He lost years in Dallas, and I don't, I don't know how you, yeah. I don't know how you fix that. Yeah, that's spot on, dude. I really don't know how you fix that. On the Monty Show, presented by the Advocates, theadvocates.com. If you are involved in a hit and run, you should absolutely call the Advocates. I was involved in a hit and run accident. My chiropractor recommended me to the Advocates. They completely took care of everything. Now that my case has been settled, I feel like I can go back to my normal life, all thanks to The Advocates. The Advocates, theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. There's so many hit and runs yeah. where people get rear-ended by those that are not licensed and insured, mm -hmm. and so they take off running and you wind up eating that. Dude, I'm telling you, you're involved in a hit and run, you need to get with The Advocates, theadvocates.com. They know what to do. They know the steps to take. Because there's nothing you can bring to them that they haven't seen or experienced before because they have a vast array of backgrounds and experiences in their legal team. All of their attorneys are experts and perform at the top of their field. That's why you trust the advocates. And the best part is you never pay them a penny. You don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. So you don't reach in your pocket. In fact, when you get in an accident, the advocates are going to help you defer your medical bills Get to theadvocates.com right now. And here's the better part. Make sure that you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. And like my computer wants to do an update right now. I'm like, hell no, dude. Um, this is a code 10 abort. You can chat with an attorney live online at theadvocates.com, utahadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. All yeah. right. Uh, Jet Wayman gifted a Monty Show membership. Kurt Myers picked it up. Kurt, thanks for being here. Appreciate you uh, being a member of the show. Everybody who's here right now, make sure you hit the like button. Um, slower show today. I know we we usually do as the Pac-12 burns. Yes. But I, I, I am and thrilled that here we are in the third hour of the show and we have not done a single football, college football story today. That's been nice. It's been nice to talk basketball, man. It, it, it is absolutely. It's very nice. Been nice to talk a little hoop. It's good to see everybody on the program today, including Greg Hawkins. What's up, Greg? Um, let's see. Jennifer Lastimosa. I probably got that wrong, Jennifer. Uh, if fifth pick costs Clarkson, Sexton, then be it, Jazz Nation. Well, Jordan Clarkson, I'm just saying. I, I, this Jordan Clarkson thing is perplexing. It is. Because, I, again, I go back to this issue with the Jazz where they didn't trade him at the deadline. Mm -hmm. And they had multiple offers for him. Could have had another first-round pick right now and you didn't trade him. And it is just simply amazing to me that they did not move him. Yeah, I don't understand it. But, again, I you know... I, it could have been as simple as preference. It could have. I mean, there are a number of reasons why. I, I don't know why. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's probably pointless to speculate why. But ultimately, you didn't move this guy, and ultimately, it cost you draft capital that you could have used tonight. 
And and again, I love Ryan Smith. I, I, and I say this all the time because because I, I feel like we get uh, we get unnecessary criticism about how we feel about Ryan Smith and what he's done. I think he's done a great job. I think the rebuild is going exactly how you'd want it to go. You overachieved last year. I love the Delta Center. Uh, I love the new TV deal. Like I love where this organization's going. Absolutely. But with every great build, there are things to critique. And I think Jordan Clarkson is one of those unfortunate things that Ryan Smith didn't want to do or, you know, whatever the case was. And now it's costing you draft capital because I believe you could have traded him for a minimum second-round pick. Maybe you could have swindled your way into a first-round pick, a low-end first-round pick, you know? So to me, I, that's why I think Jazz fans are talking about Jordan Clarkson tonight because it's like, hey, you know, you should have traded this guy. You should have, but you didn't. And maybe, I yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I hate being in situations, especially in the league, where it's like, hey, we could have done this and it would have got us that. And, and if we had that, well, we could have gone and got a better player. We could have gone and got another tool to add to Will Hardy's roster. But, you know, it is what it is, man. I, I think the minute that Jordan Clarkson makes it official and opts out of his deal, he is going to be the most sought-after free agent on the market. Mm-hmm. You look at him and Kyle Kuzma as two guys that I think are ginormous names. And I, I just, I, I am just curious because I think there's a lot of Jazz fans who are like, oh, Jordan Clarkson's coming back. He just wants to get paid. We'll pay him. He'll come back. I'm telling you, the minute he opts out, he's done wearing the, the <coughs> note. It's over. And as he should, because Jordan Clarkson's at an age where he can still win multiple championships if he makes the right decisions in his career. Yes. That won't be with the Jazz. Yeah. So, you know, it is, it's crazy to me. And, of course, Big Daddy Magic, who, dude, I'm, I don't know what I'm more worn out on. Big Daddy Magic and Victor Wambanyama or the Pac-12 Burns. Like, I don't know, because I'm so tired of hearing. I just, I just yeah. I, I, it, I, I, yeah. I don't want to be mean. I don't, I don't want to hate. I, I, the guy, the guy likes Victor Wambanyama. We get it. And but for why? Victor Wambanyama is a French player that nobody knows because he hasn't competed at the highest level. He's not. Victor Wambanyama is a guy. The bus potential in Victor Wambanyama huge, huge. Like there was very little bus potential in LeBron James. Yeah. I mean, very little. Like, you knew what you were getting almost. You have no idea what you're getting in Victor Wamanyama because you haven't seen him grow. You haven't seen him develop. Like you, haven't, like, you haven't been exposed to him in the long form. Like, the gamble on Victor Wamanyama is amazing to me. And I, I don't under, the thing I don't understand outside of San Antonio, because if you're a San Antonio Spurs fan, you should absolutely be excited. Yeah. What, what are you excited about with Victor Wamanyama? I, because I, I, I am not, I am, yes, Gary. I, Gary says, I am so bearish on Victor because of the hype, uh, the, the hype beats in the chat. Yeah. I'm so tired of hearing about, oh my God, Victor Wambanyama. Like, Victor Wambanyama, what? What has who, he done? Who, when he played against, adults couldn't perform in the in the French league couldn't perform so I, I'm just asking I'm just asking wh like where do you like where does the hype come from where's the hype come from 
Uh, and the answer is, I don't know where the hype comes from. Yeah, no, nah, I'm with you. Charlie gives us $5 to ask a college football question that I'm not going to answer today because we're talking NBA draft today, which tips off in an hour. So I appreciate you, Charlie. Come back tomorrow. I'll read your comment. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And yeah. that's, that's just me. I don't get the hype. Right. I think, and I it, think Victor has huge upside potential with very little downside risk. <laughs> Huge upside potential <laughs> with, with huger downside risk. And I only ask you to judge me on my busts, not my superstars, because I have so few. <laughs> Victor Wambanyama is probably going to be a fine player. And I, I, I don't have some people are not fans of Victor's because of how arrogant he is. And he is. He's arrogant. He is, he is unproven, in my opinion. He is in, in my opinion, for a rude awakening in the NBA. I don't think Victor Wambanyama I would agree. has any idea what he's getting himself into. I think, and, and I don't blame him, I guess, but I think that he believes he's going to walk in here and be everyone's, you know, sliced bread right out the gate. I think and, he does. And will he be a 20 and 10 guy right out the gate? Yeah, he may very well be. He may very well be, absolutely. But I'm not drafting you number one overall to be 20 and 10, especially at that size. What am no. I drafting you for? I'm drafting you to be Joel Embiid at least, yes. at a minimum. I'm drafting you to be Nikola Jokic at a minimum, if not better. Yeah. So Salty Drunk says, for all the negativity you guys pour on VW, then why would every franchise take him? I don't think every franchise would take him. No, I don't. I think if you look at if you look at the NBA, I think it's very difficult, very difficult for Victor Wambanyama to fit on most teams. You need a team that will completely tear their roster down and rebuild around him to play to his strengths. I think that's what you need. I think San Antonio is in a very easy position to do that. I I think it's that simple. I and I'm not negative about Victor Wambanyama. I am a realist. In the NBA draft, you are playing percentages. You're playing percentages because for every LeBron James, there's 50 Anthony Bennett's. Yeah. And we went through this several like a month ago. We went through every first overall pick in the NBA draft. Yep. And there are very few superstars. Like if you look at and if you go back to 2015, let's just go back to 2015, okay? And you start looking at like, hey, number one pick in the NBA draft in 2015, listen to how many busts there are or didn't live up to the hype of the draft, right? Carl Anthony Towns, number one overall pick in 2015. And this is why we start in 2015 because this was actually a really good draft. Carl Anthony Towns, number one. He's an all-star, okay? And he's all NBA. Good number one pick. D'Angelo Russell, number two. All-star. Probably not. I wouldn't draft him number two again if I if I knew. Jaleel Okafor, number three. Bust. Bust. Chris Stapps Porzingis, number four. Uh, I'd probably say bust. At number four, he's probably been a bust. Yeah. 
Mario Hazonja at five. Bust. Willie Cauley-Stein, six. Bust. Emmanuel Moutier, seven. Bust. Stanley Johnson, eight. Bust. Devin Booker, 13. Not a bust. You guys remember who the Jazz picked at 12 that year? Trey Lyles, bust. Trey Lyles. Can't have a Trey Lyles tonight. Right? Don't, okay. And by the way, I don't think you will, just for the record. Okay, that's a one-off. That's a one-off, right? Like, 2016, certainly, certainly Ben Simmons, the number one overall pick. Australia. Bust. Bust. Uh, number two, Brandon Ingram. I would say bust at number two. Number three, Jalen Brown. Uh, he's been a hit. Number four, Dragon Bender. I'll bust. move on. Chris Dunn, number five. Bust. Buddy Heald, number six. Bust. Jamal Murray, number seven. Hit. Marquise Chris, number eight. Worse than a bust. Jakob Pertle. Bust. Thon Maker. Bust. DeMontis Sabonis. Lived up to it. Look at all those guys picked ahead of DeMontis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about 2017? Okay, so you, you're one for two here. 2017. Markel Fultz, number one. Bust. Lonzo Ball, number two. Bust. Jason Tatum, number three. Hit. So let me get this right. The Lakers and the Sixers missed on Jason Tatum. Josh Jackson, number four. Bust. De'Aaron Fox, number five. Hit. Jonathan Isaac, number six. Bust. Larry Markkinen, number seven. I would say bust at that pick. At that pick, I think he's number seven. Remember Donovan Mitchell, 13, and Bam Adebayo, 14. Look at all the teams who didn't draft those guys. So the question while we're looking at this, too, that I think you guys need to keep in mind is, is VW right now, based on what you know now, having never seen him in an NBA game, is he better than Ben Simmons or, you know, any of these DeAndre Ayton. 2018, number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton. Um, bust. I think he's a bust. For a number one overall pick, when Luka went third, Jaron Jackson Jr. went fourth. Yeah, but Luka's a bust at three. Luka Doncic is a bust at yeah. three? Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. Not is. yet. Trey Young at five. Okay, what do you need to see for not like I'm well, sticking on Luca. What what is what else is there to talk about? Well, it's his, it's it's it, it, I would say that what is this going to be a sixth year, and he's brought them very close to a championship. He is one of the best players in the league. He is one of the best offensive players in the league. He hasn't won a championship. That doesn't make him a bust in my mind. You have to be a functional, literate, capable NBA player. Zion Williamson, bust. Right. Luka Doncic, at three, he's not a bust. But I look at Trey Young at five. Trey Young hasn't been special. Trey Young has not led that Atlanta Hawks team. I would say Luka Doncic is a far more successful player than Trey Young. I mean, on the statute, yeah. But by the way, the number one pick in that draft is DeAndre fucking Aiden, who is a complete bust. Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a bust. No. Shea Gilgis Alexander at 11, not Definitely a bust. Definitely not a bust. Great pick. But but you look at all these guys who you would rather have than DeAndre Ayton. So when we're saying, hey, is Victor Wambanyama, is he going to bust? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, he's got real potential to be Zion Williamson, who was picked number one in 2019. Is there no fear about injury? To be Ja Moran, who was picked number two. Now he's a bust. Now he's, if, if they don't keep him, now he's a bust. And by the way, is John Morant just now today, right now today, 
Is he a bust at number two in that draft? I think he's a disaster today. Yeah, I mean, I guess here's what I'm struggling with, logic-wise. Not to get too hung up on this, but I look at a guy like Luka in the league, and I say, yeah, this guy's this guy's 40 points a night. This guy can absolutely load a stat sheet. No problem, no problem, right? He'll take you to the playoffs, absolutely. But can we realistically sit here and be like, yeah, if can this guy take us to an NBA Finals and win a championship? I struggle with that. Just like I do with John Morant, just like I do with some of these well, other guys. I don't guys. know that any singular player in this in this incarnation of the NBA can carry an but, entire team. No, but what I mean is like with Jason Tatum, you can say, okay, if I've got Jason and I add one guy to that or two guys, we're in a really good place. Like Luka or like Ja or... All right, or, man, I or can see even, that. Even, even DeAndre Ayton. Even De DeAndre Ayton might be the best example. Dude, we picked you number one overall. You've got Book and Kevin Durant, and it's still not good enough. You're a bust. You're an absolute bust. So, so Luca or Ja, like I, I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I think you're right about Ja. I think Ja is very close, if not already a bust. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I, I just think there's so many misses. So when it comes to VW, salty, I, I, I mean, yeah, sure, it can come off sounding negative, but I have no problem. My concerns, again. Let, here are the positives, right? Let's just be totally, totally down the middle, fair, truth. This is my opinion. Positives are the guy has the ability to be one of the best players we've ever seen in the history of the league because of his size and because of his skill at his size. At the very same time, that positive is also the worst thing about him. His size and his skill are what leads to torn ACLs in the league. It's what leads to torn Achilles because you're torquing your Achilles on the perimeter, on a step back that you should never be taking at that size uh, and at that frame. That's the problem with VW. So yeah. the only real question is, if this guy stays healthy, boom, you're good to go. And if you're the Spurs right now, that's a risk that I agree you should take. You've been bad. You've got a Hall of Fame head coach yeah. sitting there. Take the risk. I have no problem with it, but I'm not going to be the guy that's sitting here in a comment section on our YouTube channel saying things like, my God, Victor's everything, and he's amazing. Like, he's I'm not, not saying that, dude. No. I'm not. I'm not that guy. Salty says, Ben Simmons was outstanding at LSU. Nobody said he wasn't worthy in the number. Okay. So, Ben Simmons, everybody knew he wasn't an offensive player at LSU. Mm -hmm. There were questions about him as a dude. His attitude at LSU was terrible. Like, the only reason he went number one overall was, what's his, the head coach of the Sixers, uh, who coached him in Australia, Brent Brown, Brett Brown, Brett Brown. Brett Brown. Like, advocated for, like, fought for Ben Simmons. There were a lot of questions about Ben Simmons coming out of LSU. A lot. Uh, and they had a bad year. And that may have been the, the NCAA tournament withdrawal year I can't remember specifically but there were a lot of questions about him coming out of LSU uh Bryce Martin I don't think Jaws is a bust because he produces on the court but if his off-court stuff gets him kicked out of the league then yes well he just got kicked out of the league for 25 games right Willie Wilson the ball just disappears and Luca can't make free throws you're not wrong you're not wrong Bryce, so Jake, it'll take Luca winning a championship to prove he's not a bust. So is James Harden a bust? Yes. Yeah, James yes, Harden's a James bust. Harden's a bust. James Harden's been a problem. Luca was packaged, and and I'm glad you brought this up, dude. I appreciate you bringing this point up. L what was Luca 
in the draft. Holy crap. Can't dude, miss. Dude was breaking guys off in, in Space Jam Jordan 11s in Europe when he won the title. Can't and I miss was, Prosper. I was like, hey, dude. Hey, great. This guy's got pro experience. He's got a great Oh, NBA we were body. all in on it. I was all in on Luka, yeah. 100%. I was about it, and I have no problem saying it. But now I see the way it pans out in Dallas. I see the fact that you've played with, with Porzingis. You've played with Kyrie. You've played with a bunch of dudes and and haven't gotten the job done. So you're telling me that I should expect if they found a way to go and get, you know, not that Kevin Durant's going to be a Maverick, but if he got a Kevin Durant-level guy, Jason Tatum, like one of the best guys in the league, I'm supposed to sit here and expect that that means they're going to win a championship when you just had who like the guy that most people say is the best guard, even better than Steph Curry. I think it's a fascinating conversation. I really do. That's why I struggle with Luka because it's yeah. like, yeah, he'll give you 40 and 15. He'll give you 40, 15, and 9 or 10. He'll give you a triple-double in the playoffs. But no he'll problem. go like 6 of 15 from the line, or he'll have like an abysmal free-throw night. And nobody else is going to be in rhythm because he, he doesn't pass the ball. That's what that's my problem with Luka. Uh, ja, uh, Gary says, Ja's not a bust. I'm not his biggest fan, but he's absolutely not a bust. I don't know, man. I think that Because uh, I think you, ha- in Memphis, I think you have to consider trading him now. Mm-hmm. I think you have to consider trading him. I, 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 how do you support him now? Because Memphis, I think one of the things that I've heard a lot, and I think it's really smart, Memphis has a gun problem. Don't we all? <laughs> but Memphis has a real gun problem. And Josh scooting around City with a... That's a bad look, dude. Yeah. Court McMullen, in my opinion, you got to give a guy seven seasons before declaring someone like Luca or Ja bust. I don't... Mm. Um, I think bust, mm. I think when I look at bust, bust is not just time you've had in the league. I think bust is more like, Hey, right now we've had, what has Ja had four seasons, three seasons now? What? I mean, what has it been? Four, four seasons, four seasons up until this year, up until the gun stuff, the, the off the court issues, he has not been a bust. However, I look at what he's just gone through. You've we've gone from, and I hope people don't forget this. Like, let's not forget, we've gone from, hey, is this dude gonna be alive tomorrow? To, oh, it was a lighter, not an actual gun. To, hey, I'm sorry, uh, you know, like I gotta be better. Let me make another mistake. Now I'm gonna be suspended 25 games. Well, and it's like, the violence that scares me. And then yeah, it's yeah. the violence. In addition, like the gun, like, dude, I own guns, but I'm not out punching teenagers in the face. Yeah. I'm not out going to my house, coming back out allegedly with a gun in my hip, threatening to kill people. Yeah. I'm not rolling up with a crew at my sister's volleyball game or whatever it was, threatening people. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not allegedly beating a mall security guard. I'm not like all these, these incidents that involve violence. (coughs) And then you're playing around with guns. And you haven't gotten over the top on the court. Because, again, I'm a big believer. Yeah, hey, he's been hurt. Hey, if he if he and that crew had won a championship or even got even, even an NBA Finals appearance, just play good enough to a point where this stuff doesn't matter, then you're not a bust. But you haven't done that, and you're doing this. So, to me, it's like, hey, 
at this point you're trending if if you if you want to say hey he's not a bust yet he's at a minimum trending towards being a bust yes. like I, there's no I, I don't know how anyone look, look, I just that. think it's too strong to say Luca's a bust he's not a bust the guy's a, the guy is a building block player the problem is he people don't like playing with him that's <laughs> the biggest problem with Jaws or excuse me with Luca yeah guys don't want to be on his team like Porzingis this Porzingis trade today um that was finalized today it I mean, they traded Marcus Smart for Chris Stapps Porzingis because he had an all-star year in Washington last year. Yeah. Like, that, that to me is it. That's a big freaking deal, dude. Like, I look at the – I just look at Luka and he needs a ring badly. Yeah. Dude, like, he needs to prove the narrative is wrong. Willie Wilson, uh, when Luka learns how to play with others on any team, he'll be great. Yeah, he will. Uh, Yennefer says that's a big statement if Luca was a bust. We know jazz fans hate Luca, but saying he was a bust, nah. Well, first of all, we're not jazz fans. Yeah, we're not jazz fans. Um, I I don't think Luca's a bust. I just completely disagree with that terminology. He's a pain in the ass. He has not won. And he's arrogant and cocky. The problem is that when you're arrogant and cocky like that, you better fucking win. Because if you don't win, dude... Forget it. People are you're, you're people are not people are going to call you a bust when you don't win and you're arrogant and you're cocky and you talk too much and, well, and you're my, not you're going to be that you're going to get that. And my thing is, on one hand, I don't disagree with you. The guy's a building block player. There's no like he's a cornerstone franchise guy. But how can you be a cornerstone franchise guy if nobody wants to play with you because you're cocky and arrogant? Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? Like he is he is a cornerstone guy. But if it's difficult to bring in big time, if it's difficult to go get Paul George, yeah, what's what are we really even talking about? You have to make pragmatic decisions in the draft. Yes. And this franchise in Utah has not. And I will never forget Kyle Gunther calling me stupid on the radio in that Trey Lyles, Devin Booker draft. Right. Called me straight up, called me stupid on the radio because I said Devin Booker's the only pick here. It's Devin Booker. Hell yes, Dev Trey Lyles, who was a bust. Yeah, Rodney Hood was a bust. bust. You know, you you look at, you know, like Rudy it, it is. Look at look at Rudy. Look at Don, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. The at, Donovan at point, Mitchell deal. Like, is Donovan Mitchell a bust because he hasn't won? Well, you can make a case he's not. You can make a case that he is. But ultimately, he didn't work out, and you traded him. People are having, did he just sign an Apple? You know. By the way, Woj is reporting that the uh, Charlotte Hornets are closing in on Brandon Miller. I think you're spot on with it, dude. I mean, I, I, you know, the Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson debate, if you're Charlotte, is a fascinating one. Well, and you know why? Because it's going to determine where Damian Lillard ends up. Because if they draft Brandon Miller number two, you don't really think that Portland's going to let Scoot scoot, do you? No. <laughs> no. Can't. Can can't Scoot and Damian Lillard play together? Probably. Is well, that an awkward fit? I wonder... But if, if you're Portland, do you draft Scoot if they take Brandon Miller? Do you dude. draft Scoot, trade Anthony Simmons? Because there was a report that came out that Brooklyn 
turned down a deal from Portland uh, of Anthony Simmons and the number three pick for Mikhail Bridges. I don't buy that for a second. I think Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simmons, Simons, excuse me, with uh, Scoot Henderson. Yeah. That's going to be a good team. That's going to be a really good team. Yeah. That Damian Lillard doesn't fit on. <laughs> I mean, if we're just being honest. And that's and how I look at it. The terrifying thing about that, you know he's going to the fucking Lakers. If they, if he is not in Portland, yeah. he's going to the Lakers, dude. Yeah. yeah. And he, I mean, he's all as much said so. You put him with LeBron and AD. Well, and especially now that the Chris Paul situation has worked itself out. And if you add, if you add Damian Lillard, doesn't that free up your money from paying Austin Reeves? And I know it's a, a kick in the balls if you're a Laker fan, and now we have a ton of Laker fans on the show, but think about this. Think about this. I'm telling you, if they add Damian Lillard and you let Austin Reeves walk, you can justify it. And it's $100 million back into your books. I'm telling you, dude, and I don't think they want to let him walk. And I don't think I, Austin Reeves has all but said he wants to be a Laker. But if you can add Damian Lillard, you have to. Have to. You have to. Yeah, it's not. I mean, and if you have Dame time, LeBron, AD, Rui, Rui, like you're, if they had, if they had Dame instead of D'Angelo this year, different conversation. You're probably winning. You're probably winning that series. You don't get run out of the building by Denver at a minimum. I think you win that series. Yeah. I mean, I think the the because the problem was ultimately, and this is a problem. I, I have to admit, this is a problem a lot of teams have right now. Hey, Boston, Miami, Memphis, the Lakers, uh, you know, uh, you know, other teams in the West. I've seen it like Ugh. a lot of teams don't have enough firepower down the stretch to win a ball game, even though they have premier names like even the Suns. I was this like, this is the problem with the Lakers, though. It's funny. Like you say, the, the phrase premier names. Yeah, that's exactly right, dude. This is the problem with the fucking Lakers. Yes. Is there, like Devin Booker. Yes. My, sex machine, my dude. Your guy. He's going to wear purple and gold. Just right. I'm Wait, telling you. Because they're not going to win with Isaiah Thomas there. They're not going to win in Phoenix. It's going to piss him off. You're all in on that, huh? Dude. You're a big believer in that. In I mean, my, I don't think in he my was opinion, lying. In my opinion, Isaiah Thomas is a shitbag. Well, he, he's yeah. a terrible human being. He, he treats women like objects. And I'm telling you that... In my opinion, he is a terrible administrator. He has never been successful. Ask anybody that was involved with the Continental Basketball Association, the old CBA. Yeah. Um, ask anybody that's involved in the Knicks lawsuits. Like, he's a terrible person. Yeah. And Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the, the Suns, loves him. And Chris Paul did not accidentally mention <coughs> him by name. <coughs> he did not accidentally mention him by name. Yeah. Devin Booker is going to be a Laker. I guarantee it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, but you this know. is to back to your premier names. Yeah. Damian Lillard, LA Lakers. Devin Booker, LA Lakers. And by the way, by the way, had the huge debate, huge debate with an NBA friend of mine last night about, well, Portland, dude, Portland's going to trade him to Philadelphia. Um, you don't trade Damian Lillard anywhere he doesn't want to go. Yeah. Damian Lillard decides where Damian Lillard goes. And they're not going to trade. He doesn't want to go east. 
He wants to be a Laker. And for all the people in the comments who are like, well, he doesn't have that kind of control. And, oh, you know, you they can bet? do whatever they want to do. Well, what happens when Damian Lillard says, calls his his people in Philly? Because every, every, as I call them, name play player has contacts all over the league. And if he doesn't know someone in that city, the agent's going to find the GM. And he's going to say, hey, I know you're looking at this trade. I'm not playing for you guys. So we're not doing this trade. It's that simple, bro. Yeah, I I think... It's that simple, man. I'm sorry to be on my phone, but uh, I think you are looking at a situation where the top three picks are locked in, in my opinion. It's just a matter of order. I, I, I think it's Victor one. I think it's Brandon two. And I think it's Scoot three. And I think the Jazz have an opportunity to move up four, five, six. And I think they, I think they really need to get the best available point guard. I am trying to get to the number four pick. That's what I'm trying to do because I want. The only reason I say that is I want Ammon Thompson. I want it. That's the guy you want. That, that is, is the, the guy, guy you want because all you got to do is find a jumper with him. He's got everything else. But the other problem is, is that I think New Orleans is going to be. From what I understand and the things that I've heard, I think New Orleans and the Jazz are the two most active teams. Well, And I think New Orleans would love, love, love to get their hands on Scoot Henderson. Who's running the ship in New Orleans? Very experienced guy in David Griffin. Yep. Knows what he's doing. I think Portland and... I don't think Portland and Charlotte deal. I really don't. I think... Because the Jazz, I know... From sources I've spoken to, the Jazz have called Charlotte multiple times. Yeah. Uh, uh, agreed to take bad contract. No. Like, hey, we'll give you multiple picks and uh, take a bad contract. And no. Charlotte does not want a deal. They're not going to move, in my opinion. Well, and I think Charlotte understands they've got a path here. I mean, I, I clearly, and again, it's this LaMelo conversation all over again, but clearly there's still belief in LaMelo ball, which you understand. And you should. Yeah, I mean, you understand. He's been elite. When yeah. he's been healthy, yeah, he's been elite. All right, let's get your comments. You guys have really been patient. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Where did I leave off? Riley O'Brien. What's up, Riley? A player in the league that is top 15 in talent isn't a bust, in my opinion. His team's front office needs to put better teams around him. Well, is that a – so are you referencing Luca there, or who are you? Because I think it's so situational. In job, they just added Marcus Smart. Yeah. I mean, I think they've done a good job there. By the way, uh, Mike Maples has sent in his first uh, Delta Center picture. He says that he's around the building and it's 5000 easy. That's his... Well, there's also, as Alema Harrington told us, there's yeah. also a skateboarding event there tonight. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. OG Gary says, I'm a, I am huge on Devin Booker. I gave him mad nicknames the day he entered the draft and all my friends and family were knives out on me. I now have the last laugh. Oh, that's my dude, man. Book's my dude. Yeah, exactly. Gary says, Booker man, to my Lakers in the coming years. We'll see. We'll see. Bryce Martin, Damian Lillard going to go to the Eastern Conference. I don't think so. I don't think so. Gobert is definitely not a bust. No, he's not a bust. Rudy Gobert was a, a late round. Yeah, he was drafted 27th. In my opinion, players can't be labeled a bust unless they are lottery picks. A, I agree with that. B, Rudy Gobert is the best rim protector in the NBA. Now, the problem is... <laughs> Whoa. My bad. That was a mishit. The problem is Dennis Lindsay paid him a stupidly ridiculous, embarrassing contract. Mm. 
So that contract has people calling Rudy Gobert a bust. Rudy Gobert is in no way, shape, or form a bust. Uh, Big Jack 512 says, Pacers picking up Jarris at seven. Good. Yeah. Could be. Pacers have been incredibly aggressive. OG Gary, Dame on my Lakers is dangerous. We win the league easy. I could be. Uh, salty drunk. Josh Giddy can look forward to getting paid based on Reeves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. 100%. OKC ha- has to go all in. I mean, in OKC's here. biggest issue is money. I mean, these guys are going to, yes. I mean, you know, SGA, you know, Giddy, totally these guys getting paid, man. Totally agree. Um, let's see. If AD and LeBron stay healthy, always a question. Uh, Mr. Preston says, man, I hate the Lakers. Well, you're not alone. Jeff Woodworth says Lakers will win on the senior tour. They're not old. The Lakers are not an old roster. What do you mean senior tour? Salty drunk. Monty has a love affair with the Lakers. I don't. I just happen to think that they are. The Lakers are everything you you want your team to be Mm -hmm. because they do everything they have to do to win every single year. The, I, the thing I, I admire about the Lakers is every year they're like, yeah, we're winning a championship. And then Rob Palinka finally turned into a GM last year at the deadline and fucking built a roster that damn near won a championship. And it's pretty impressive how far they got. I mean, I mean, you, you consider where they were like in the oh middle of the regular God. season. Like, I mean, there, there was like, let's not forget there was a time when they were like, hey, we're not making the playoffs this year. Uh, OG Gary says Isaiah Thomas is not a better man than you are. No, he is a grade A yeah, first come team on. shit bag. He is. He is not a better man. Nick Saban is a better man than you are. He is. Riley O'Brien, why do you keep yeah. saying by the way, W H E Y? You gotta explain that to yeah, me. Yeah, dude. I don't get it, bro. Dexter Hunsaker, Devin Booker is gross. What's wrong with Devin Booker? Arguably the best shooting guard in the NBA. Uh, that's draft tampering. What is? I don't know what's draft tampering. Scoot should go one or two. I think I think he's not a great fit in Charlotte. And I still maintain Brandon Miller is a better is the better player. Uh, Jeff says Zion to Utah just makes sense. Stop, please stop. Uh, Brady Cook. I wonder what we have to give up to move up. Significant draft cap. That twenty twenty five. Those 2025 picks are definitely in, in play. Have to be. Yeah. If, if you're Houston and you don't ask for those, I think Colin Sexton and two first-round picks is what it will take to get the fourth pick. And I have no problem doing that. I wouldn't even think twice about that. If that got me Ammon Thompson. Dude, I'm all about that. I'm good. Hmm. Uh, Willie Wilson, Dame time going to the Lakers will be something to witness next year, dude. Seriously. Big Jack 512 says has a ring to it. CJ Vance, unfortunately, I'm still worried the statistics will carry, carry out and most of these locks will turn out to be busts. You're not wrong in yeah. any way, shape, or form. And I think that's why the NBA draft, the biggest mistake I think the GMs and presidents in the NBA draft make is they go after the freak factor. Zion Williamson, Victor Wambanyama. Agreed. Was LeBron James a freak? He wasn't. He was not he was not a physical freak. What was he a freak about? What was freaky about him? His game. His game was really good. Like he could shoot, he could dunk, he could run. I think he was a freak in that sense that his game was just so good. But it his was physical so pure. his physical body was not freakish. Nope. Right? His personal life was not freakish. He was not arrogant. I I will never forget sitting with Sonny Vaccaro in Chicago at the United Center for Sporting News Radio, talking with LeBron James. 
before he got drafted. Just a cool cat wearing the nicest Adidas shoes I've ever seen. Isn't it crazy? I love those stories. You know, I love that. Hey, LeBron could have been an Adidas guy or Jordan was almost not Jordan. Like, you know. LeBron was not a freak. He was, he, they were crawling over top of each other to get that pick. Mm -hmm. And the league fixed, I mean, the Cavs got the number one pick. (laughs) (laughs) Grady Dick's outfit is gross. Yeah, the red suit is a little excessive. You know. Uh, Lee Jensen, I got footage of the arena, more people than I expected. How many of them, Lee, how many of them are there for skateboarding? How many of them are there for the draft? Yeah. I need to know. Uh, Giannis to the Jazz, calling it now, Devin Pohl says. Okay. Could be all right. Jet Wayman, the tile king of Utah. I think Booker stays with Phoenix if they win a title in the next two years. Jet, I think that's a true statement. He stays with Phoenix if they win a championship. But my biggest problem is they have zero depth. They don't have a quality point guard. And he's going to have to be their point guard. So, uh, Delaric Bucks was the oldest roster this year at 29 and a half years old. And it killed him. And Chris Middleton opted out, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he's going to wind up back in Milwaukee. That, mm-hmm. was a, that was a deal to get more money. Dude, the money that book is making on this extension, though. Bro. But that's the other thing. The the Chicago, Boston, New York, LA. Those are the teams that can afford it. Bro. I, I mean, 24, 25, 52 million. It's 56 my million. It's my, 60 my million. God, 27, 28. Last year, the deal, $64.9 million. Don't tell you, Unrestricted free agent, 31 years old. That's, what are, he's going to get paid again. Are the Rockets going to make a trade? They'd be smart to. A lot of young talent, two first-round picks. I mean, if you're the Clippers and you have one pick at the bottom of the draft, don't you make a trade? Yeah. I mean, I, I got to think the Rockets make a trade. You know. Yeah. Salty says, jingles back to the jazz I'm hearing. Could be, maybe. You've been hearing that all season. But why would he? <laughs> why would they? He he needs to be that guy who doesn't play. He suits up and he's a coach. That's what he needs to be. Because he just his best days are behind him. Yeah. Period. Uh, Julian, what do you guys uh, think could be the underdog that turns out to be a superstar in a few years? Woo. I think there's a couple names I would point you to. Uh Koulibaly absolutely is a guy I would be watching. Uh, Kobe Bufkin is a guy I would be watching. Um, I think Nick Smith Jr., the point guard from Arkansas, I think could be a stud. Chris Murray, the power forward from Iowa. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that kid. Um, Derek Whitehead from Duke. I've been talking about him for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm -hmm. I think he could absolutely be... A stud. Yeah. Um, I look at Greg Jackson from South Carolina. Carolina. He's going to be a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could absolutely be a stud. Um, the kid from G League Ignite, City Sissoko. Don't say I didn't warn you about that. Um, I just think there's so many guys in this draft, if they wind up in the right situation, if, you know, if if... 
you know, Amoni Bates from Eastern Michigan. Put him in the right situation. You know, Keontae Johnson. Keontae Johnson from K-State. Put him in the right situation. You know, like, there, there are guys. But Koulibaly's a guy. Oh, fuck. Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine. Yeah. Absolutely a guy that can play in this league. Absolutely. 20 years old shooting can be a 3-4 guy. Absolutely can be a guy that you, that you could call a superstar. Yeah. They, there's, there's just no doubt about that. No doubt. In my mind, anyways. Like, I, I think you could... There's a lot of dudes like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just... That's just me, though. Oh, that's a picture you sent me. Yeah. My bad. I thought it was a video. What is this picture I'm loading in about? Uh, this is a picture from inside the Delta Center. From inside the Delta and Center! And I have to say, it's um, not quite the crowd I was expecting. I think... When, it, when you say that, what do you mean? Well, I mean, it's a nice crowd for a draft party. It, but, but here's the it's a skateboarding event. I know. That's what I'm curious about. Why are we doing two of, like, and again, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm not. And I always come off as a guy who hates. Why are we doing a damn skateboarding event during the draft? I didn't want to complain about like, it. What are we doing? I didn't want to complain like, about I'm it. I'm not trying to be negative, but I have to say, why do I have a, why do I have a vert ramp? On the floor, why is the Jazz floor not laid out? Make it feel like an NBA game. Just no game on the floor, obviously. Grady Dick's outfit is terrible. Yeah, it's garbage. I, 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 I know we shouldn't hate, but I just that's distasteful. That is opinion. that is not a draft party. It's not. It's yeah. not. A couple more because then we got to go. Uh, Big Jack Five Twelve says I'm a whiner. How am I whining? Uh, OG Gary, to be fair, Ja on the Jazz would be nice for the Jazz. Bad for the community, but nice for the Jazz. You know. Uh, Mark Klee says, why do you call Booker a sex machine? If I have <laughs> You don't. How, how do you. Do bro, I have to explain this? Dude, bro. Just look up Buddy's game off the court. That's all you got to do. That's it. Well, and I get aroused watching him play basketball, but that's a different show. That's a weeknight. That's a weekend overnight show. Uh, Monty owes a ribeye says, I want an NBA salary. You yeah, and I join both. the club. Uh, and Donut says, half pipes are to get jazz fans in. Like, do you know, but like, do you see what I mean? Well, you like, know, ha half pipes, you guys, I only deal in full pipes. Ask your mom. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. All right. Wow. I mean,. Is that is that cue the music? Is that what the NBA draft extravaganza on the Monty Show presented by TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com. Make sure you get your ten dollar thirty day trial membership. You guys, let's stop complaining about the things we don't have and start doing the work necessary to build the life we want. Part time, full time. You want to make a thousand dollars a day? TridayTrading.com. You want to make two, three, four hundred dollars a day? part-time you want to make a car payment part-time trydaytrading.com you need help with your mortgage trydaytrading.com go get it man 10 bucks a charitable donation gets you their full program and a 30-day trial membership and by the way when you're ready to start making trades they're gonna fund an account for you and when you make money with trydaytrading.com's money they give you 80 percent of the profit make sure you tell them you heard about it on the monty show until tomorrow say goodbye jake goodbye jake